The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Pat Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. It is Pat Gray Unleashed. Triple Eight. 933.93. So many different phone numbers to remember today. Glenn Show phone numbers. This phone number. That's two phone numbers. And that's more phone numbers than I know, period. Right? Quite frankly. Isn't that interesting? Because we no nobody knows phone numbers anymore. Nope. You, you punch a name or you hit a number and it goes. And, and that's it. Yeah. I just scroll down. Who did I text and hit the little phone symbol? Uh, it's embarrassing because mm-hmm. people are like, what, what's your wife's phone number? I don't know. All right. I just push a button and, and, and it rings it, her it phone. It, it works. <laughs> but it's amazing because as kids growing up, man, I knew my grandparents' phone oh, number, yeah. my other grandparents, you know, my neighbors, my yep. parents, uh, work number, extension, all that good stuff. And now it's just like a button. Right. Mm. Strange. I'm old. Uh, operators. 411, none of those things are really relevant anymore. Mm. Long distance phone charges, collect calls. The world has <laughs> changed a lot. We are so screwed when that EMP hits. Oh, man. It's over. Can you imagine? <laughs> Jeez. <sighs> yeah, so let's hope mm-hmm. and pray that, that doesn't happen, actually. Uh, things seem to be tamping down a little bit on the crisis front with North Korea, at least. North Korea seems to be. I don't know. Kim Jong-un is toning down his rhetoric just a tad. They actually wished the the uh, Winter Olympic Games in South Korea well. They actually said that they'll probably, you know, they should come off without any kind of uh, incident happening. So it's uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. And I just wonder if if Trump's rhetoric, President Trump's res- rhetoric has something to do with that. Uh, interesting new haircut for Kim Jong-un, too. He, oh, yeah, like in, fa- in fact, not only are they saying he's softening his wardrobe, he, he's got less of that menacing communist dictator look and more of a, a businessman or uh, the leader of a nation look. He's actually wearing a suit and a jacket here with a tie. Maybe he got that for Christmas. But look at that haircut. Who is his barber blind? <laughs> I mean, what do you... What is that, dude? Please, we gotta I mean, get that is brand new. We gotta get a picture of that now. posted. Yeah, we gotta we gotta send that out because that's a whole new look for him. He also has boasted that he has the nuclear button on his desk. Warned the U.S. that the entire country is within range of his weapons. Yeah, you know what? So is yours in the range of ours, and I think we have a couple more than you do. Uh, when Trump said he could obliterate or annihilate or wipe that country off the earth, he's not hes not lying about that. He's not joking about that. It's the truth. He also announced plans to start mass producing nuclear warheads as he delivered a televised New Year's Day speech. So there wasn't all, it wasn't entirely conciliatory language on his part. He said the U.S. should know that the button for nuclear weapons is on my table. This is a reality, not a threat. The entire area of the U.S. mainland is within our nuclear strike range. The United States can never start a war against me 
and our country. But he also called for improved relations with the South and uh, and mentioned the, the Olympic Games were not in peril from his country. So a little bit of a mixed bag there. You know, but yeah, I think you're right, though. I think that even that part is softening because... yeah. He's usually talking about, you know, the streets of America will run blood red and those kinds of... It's almost like the, you know, don't make me come up there. It's like I yell at my kids because I don't Mm want to go up there. I just, please, I don't, please don't make me come up there. Mm -hmm. And I think his is a a case where he can't come up there anyway. Yeah. But he wants wants us to think that he can. Yes. uh, I like this. I really like this. Yeah, I think it's a positive development Mm -hmm. uh, overall. And I think that Donald Trump's rhetoric has a little something to do about it, do with it, because he he says things that other American presidents have not and would not. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's uh, maybe it's made him back down, uh, Kim Jong Un back down a little bit. Now, on the other hand, a Eurasia group says that this year could see a geopolitical crisis on the scale of the financial crash a decade ago. They described the global political challenges as daunting and said, if we had to pick one year for a big unexpected crisis, the geopolitical equivalent of the 2008 financial meltdown, it feels like 2018. The biggest uncertainty surrounds China's move to fill a vacuum as U.S. influence continues to decline, stoking tensions between the two powers, that's likely to affect economies as well. Now, they've been talking about the decline of U.S. influence for a long time. And, you know, if if countries are deciding that China is the nation to side with, that's not going to end well for the, for the planet. Guarantee you that. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three, but hey, 2017's over, so there's some good news there. There's some good news there. <laughs> Glad that year. So it was a tough year. Terrible. It really did. 2017 was not uh, overall not fun. And yeah, never mind the man-made stuff. The the natural disasters are just one after another. Yeah, really amazing. Uh, and CNN ended the ended this the uh, entire year with a with a. A bang or a bong, I guess it's a little more, a little more like it. They actually put a reporter on a cannabis. Uh, see, that's a bus with headed to a. That's a play on words. Pot Pat. party. It's a play on words. They were on a bus and they were headed to this pot party, where it was uh, they were smoking joints and painting. It's a painting and pot party. I'm sure, something. there's a lot know. of painting going on. Really strange. Stop it. And uh, here was one of the little reports that they did on New Year's Eve uh, with Anderson Cooper, again, hosting or co-hosting the festivities. I do want to go to Randy Kay. She's joining us again uh, along uh, with a, uh, well, she's in Colorado where I guess recreational marijuana is surrounded by weed. Did you- oh, wait a minute. We have this on, yeah, yeah, yeah. we have the actual report on video. So let's, let's visual, take a look man. at the video. Because you you got to see this. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Here's uh, CNN's pot bus. I do want to go to Randy Kay. She's joining us again uh, along uh, with a, uh, well, she's in Colorado where I guess recreational marijuana is. surrounded by weed. Did you get yes. me the cheaper shoes? She's yeah, on a, a, bu- a pot bus, basically. How's it going, Randy? <laughs> it's a... 
It's going great. I'm definitely earning the nickname Kush K, that's for sure. Uh, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. Everybody knows what Kush is. So, listen, uh, I came prepared, you know, this year. I thought maybe I would bring a gas mask with me so I wouldn't, you know, get that contact high. But look at what's on the other end of the gas mask. Yes, a bong. And, of course, wow. they couldn't stand to see a bong that didn't have any um, cannabis in it. So you, you actually put it in the bong you filled it up yeah and you don't want it you don't want it you passed it okay okay so you're gonna now what now you're gonna celebrate a little new year's early or what oh now she's lighting the bong for i don't think this is really what a gas mask is used for but lighting the bong okay this is new year's eve denver this is legal in colorado i know okay oh my god Wow. But we are, we are making our way um, to a puff pass oh, and paint party. Great. Yes, Anderson, go. That's okay, yeah, so just explain wonderful. what uh, you're on a bus. Just explain you're on a bus. Uh, okay. Uh, nice ending to that segment. Just really uh, irresponsible and, and, and frankly stupid and federally mm. illegal activity mm. broadcast to the nation and to your children. Thank you. A uh, lot of lot of people watch these New Year's Eve celebrations with their family, and you're you're showing them how to do bong hits on mm-hmm. New Year's Eve. Uh, unbelievable. And this Randy K person, she talked about something Kush Kush K Kush K. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what is? I don't even understand that reference. What does it, that it's mean? It's a strain of cannabis uh, whose origins. Oh, it is. Yeah. Uh, Kush. Yeah, isn't there? Because this is from the Afghanistan region, North Pakistan. Isn't there uh-huh. a uh, isn't there a Kush? There's Kush Mountains or something. I don't know. That's like oh, a, there might be. Anyway, okay. um, I, I I think I learned that um, term wow. within the last year. But uh, I, can can we address the the fact of the bong hit being illegal? Yeah, because I I think you and I had a disagreement earlier mm-hmm. um, off the air about it being legal and illegal, and I said, what about the Tenth Amendment? Right? Mm-hmm. Why, yes. why isn't the Tenth Amendment come into play here and let mm-hmm. Colorado do whatever the hell they want to with that? And uh, and you said, but it's a federal statute. Right. Right? Yes. Okay, but, li- but listen to the Tenth Amendment. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. Mm-hmm. So if this made it to the Supreme Court, doesn't Colorado win based on the text of the Tenth Amendment? I don't know. I mean, that's where this is going to head, know. right? If the federal it's, government cared. You know, yeah, they don't care, though. So it's it's not going to wind up there. Okay. They don't they don't care. They'll, you know, do they care about the sanctuary city laws that are also <laughs> violating federal law? They don't give a rat's anus about that either. They don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to wind up nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it's really, it's sad what's going on, you know, with, with the country going to pot. <laughs> like it is. <laughs> it's a I see little, what you did there. Little play on words there. It's a thinking man's little point. double on ton, if you will. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Also in entertainment news mm. over the weekend, Star Wars remained number one, even though there was a story on the Drudge Report that in just day number eighteen, Star Wars fell to number two. Well, I think for a day, maybe. But when you consider the weekend and the four-day period, Star Wars, again, was number one in their third week out. I like uh, Star Wars Last Jedi won uh, the weekend with $52.6 million. 
They're up to $517 million since it came out. Jumanji was number two at $50 million, so it was really close. Hmm. And 169.6 since it came out. A lot of people aren't liking The Last Jedi. Why is that? I, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. You did too? Yeah. I did. Yeah. So did I. I thought it was I, good as the I, first one. I thought it was better than The Force Awakens. Hmm. And I thought it was the best, in fact, the best Star Wars since Return of the Jedi in 1983. I really liked it. Hmm. My kids didn't like it. My wife didn't really like it all that much. What? And I what thought are they it was saying? really good. What are they saying that they don't like about it? Well, if I if I okay, yeah, yeah. If I mention I don't that, want to be Glenn Beck, yeah, spoiler gives, man, here. it gives away too much. Forget it. And I won't tell you what. I mean, there are some problems with it, but I thought overall it was really enjoyable and fun. I, I liked it, mm-hmm. and Me and too. it furthers the story, and it it does a lot of things that I liked, a few things I didn't. So, but my overall impression was was really positive. And yours too, huh? Yeah, That's great. absolutely. Um, it's interesting when you look at the at the uh, Rotten Tomato score. Ninety mm-hmm. percent of critics liked it. Ninety percent. Wow. And only fifty four percent of the audience liked it, which is the exact opposite of most right. Star Wars movies. Hmm. Uh, let me tell you about Filter Buy. If you've sealed up your house for the winter, your home could be trapped in really bad air, breathing in mold and pet dander and pollen and you know all kinds of cleaning sources that are just floating around and when you turn on your your furnace and man we've had to even do that here in dallas uh and if you haven't changed your furnace's filter for a while you're just recirculating and adding to that bad air in your house but there's a great solution it's called filterby.com really easy go to filterby.com and search by the size you need the brand name you're looking for or the merv rating you want and even if you have some kind of strange filter size, that's not a problem for filter buy because they'll literally make one just for you. Then your filter is shipped within 24 hours, and all their filters are made right here in the U.S. So it's an American company, American-made, a great product, and then you can also set up auto delivery. That saves you 5%, and then you don't have to worry about when it's time to change your air filters again because they just show up at your doorstep. Go there now, get this taken care of, then you don't have to worry about it anymore. Go to filterby.com today and get the best price on top quality filters. Ship free within 24 hours. That's filterby.com. Pat Gray, only on the Blaze Radio Network. I am. And so are you, and uh, I really appreciate that. 888-900-3393. Beginning a brand new year with a brand new haircut for Kim Jong-un. And a, a good new look. Here's, uh, I think we we actually have a photo that we can show you if you're watching this on the Blaze TV. Uh, a really, oh, yeah. really handsome new haircut that is, for um, Kim. There it is. <laughs> well, it's a plateau. I think <laughs> plateau cut. That is wow, <laughs> wow, very nice. But he cleans up nicely, right? Oh, he does. Huh? Yeah, he's a looker. He's a looker. And, but look at the suit. Isn't that interesting? I mean, he's got like a Western look now instead of the uh, 
I'm a Mao Maoist dictator sort of ensemble that he normally wears. Well, well the, you might need to update his official uh, state picture. Uh, the kids and I are reading this book, um, Nothing to Envy, about life inside North Korea, and it is just hell on earth. But you have to keep a picture. <laughs> Nothing is allowed on this one wall of your house except for a picture of the leader. Underneath it has to be a white cloth that you clean regularly, the photograph, and every month someone from the government what? stops by to make sure you're taking care of this picture. I kid you not. What? The place is insane. It's absolutely, and that's just one example. Every month, somebody from the government shows up at everybody's house? I guess, yes, and, and inspects to make sure that you are properly maintaining the care of the dear leader's <laughs> picture. These seriously, they can't show up at every house in North Korea. I, I don't. Can they every month? I'll bring in the book and and I'll reread the the passage. But that was the impression that was left by the author. Wow! That every month you are on high alert. That they could swing by and check to make sure you've been dusting and uh, taking care that no mold or anything's happening to your picture. <laughs> wow! This place is insane. I that is. I mean, that's literally crazy. Yeah. What a dumb law that. I mean, why would you even? Please. Why do you even bother with what is on people's walls in your home? Um, I mean, you could plaster all the propaganda you need all over the public space, can't you? And then, well, that's not enough. It's a religion. I mean, they have yeah. made it so that over the past few generations, yeah, that I mean, you they're have directly to, from the heavens. You really want to have him worshipped in but that country. Everybody's picture might now get updated with this new high and tight haircut he's got going. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, he's a dang handsome man. Sure you just, is. you have to admit that. Mm -hmm. uh, Brent in New Mexico, welcome to the blaze. So Keith, I can answer your question as to why the federal government thinks the 10th amendment doesn't apply to marijuana legalization. Okay. And it all goes back to, you know, when FDR was president, and he had the new deal. There was a case that came before the Supreme Court called Willard B. Filburn or Wickard B. Filburn. I never can remember which one. Okay. And that was the guy that created 13 bushels of wheat that he wasn't going to sell, but yeah. he his own cattle that was above the quota that the feds gave him. Mm. And they said that if he didn't have to buy that wheat somewhere else, it had an overarching effect if everybody kept doing that over interstate. His production was completely interstate. So... Hmm. For many, many, many years, the uh, liberals on the Supreme Court kept expanding the definition of interstate commerce so that they could regulate everything. Right. right. And then in the early 90s and 2000s, the conservative justices on the Supreme Court started trying to narrow the definition of interstate commerce and try and exclude things that were completely intrastate. Mm -hmm. And that was humming right along until a case came before the Supreme Court, I believe, regarding California marijuana and the production of marijuana. Uh, that was completely not sold, so it wasn't even commerce. It was used entirely intrastate, and Scalia, in one of the few opinions I disagreed with him on, decided that, no, nope, we're not going to narrow it here. Production is considered an interstate commerce, even if everything that you do is intrastate, because it may have gone interstate. They may have sold it outside. So federal government considers that marijuana production is interstate commerce, even if it's used entirely intrastate, and even if it's not sold. And so that's how come they, that's how they get around the 10th Amendment. Now, you seem I like a guy ever, who may have a vested interest in pot being legalized. No. No? No, no you don't? Don't smoke it. No, all right. I'm just an attorney who <laughs> okay. really likes the interstate commerce clause yeah. not being interpreted as intrastate. Activity. So wait a minute. I got um, and the reason why they can they can they can 
come down hard on sanctuary cities mm-hmm. is because in the Constitution, immigration is right. So hold on a second. Yes, uh, production. You said this is because of production. Um, it, so yeah. it's not specific to production of marijuana, correct? Just production of anything. Correct. Because yeah, and, I, I thought the way I thought from the 1960s. Oh, go ahead. I know. I was just gonna say I thought Texas was getting around the light bulb law, and Montana was getting around some gun law by by producing and selling within their borders. Am I wrong on that? that? Is, if the federal government chose to under that pot case, they could say that that was an interstate commerce activity. Case law is the uh, death of a republic. Yeah. And so you know that's the funny thing. I mean, even the 1964 Civil Rights Act. The way they enforce that is with interstate, the Interstate Commerce Clause, which there were two cases that came down. One was Hart the Atlanta Motel, which actually involved the motel along the interstate highway system, so that made sense. But then there was like a, a, a sandwich shop or something that didn't serve to African Americans, and they didn't sell to anybody outside of the state, but they bought meat from a packing plant inside the state. It's sold outside the state, and so that may have an overarching effect on interstate commerce, and that's how they apply Jeez. the whole non-segregation lunch counter thing, the Civil Rights Act. But what's funny about it is, is but if you ever, if you ever, clause cases come up. If you ever contradict that, though, then all of a sudden you're for uh, discrimination against uh, blacks. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which is why Justice Thomas is one of the bravest Supreme Court justices ever, because he knows dang good and well. But the Interstate Commerce Clause is what the 1964 Civil Rights Act is based on. And right. every time it comes down to, is this interstate or interstate, and can the federal government regulate it, he sides on the idea that it's not interstate commerce and says we need to overturn Wicker v. Dilburn, which is exactly what the Civil Rights Act is based on. Yeah. Because he believes that an African-American's right to buy or sell or be treated fairly in this world should be based on something more than the whim of five justices and the Interstate Commerce Clause being bastardized in its interpretation. And fortunately, as a black man, he could go ahead and have that point of view and and try to educate others about uh, about the constitutionality of that. It's, you know, but... Yep, and if you read his opinions, they're always the same in this area. It says, you know, what we really messed up was back in the, you know, New Deal era with Wicked P. Filbert. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just, and everyone always thinks that, you know, the leftists always say that Justice Thomas, because he doesn't ask a lot of questions on the bench, is the least intelligent of the justices. And so ridiculous. Not, not true at all. He knows the answers to the questions and doesn't need to ask them. Um, <laughs> and, and he doesn't write a lot of opinions, but when he does, they're very well thought out. Yeah. So, you know, that's the reason why, because the federal government says that the production of marijuana mm. is interstate ca- ca- uh, commerce even when it might be entirely interstate, in a way to regulate every single solitary thing of our lives. Amazing. Appreciate that. Uh, thanks a lot, Brent. Uh, helpful to have a, a legal awesome. mind yeah. on the show like that. Wow. <laughs> Call whenever you've got some insight on the Tenth Amendment. Yeah, but that's that's what makes Justice um, uh, th- uh, Thomas mm-hmm. one of the best of all time. Yeah. Maybe the best Supreme Court justice ever. Clarence Thomas has been a godsend in the Supreme Court. And thank goodness he was able to overcome the fiasco that happened to him with, uh, what's her face, Hill. Anita Hill. Anita Hill. He got in just under the gun before that character assassination really took root in America. Right. Right. Yeah. And what state's he from? Yeah. Kudos to Georgia. Sorry. (laughs) Had to throw that in there. That's like one of the few things we've got.
Uh, as a matter of fact, I couldn't remember what state it was oh, from, so the oh. answer wasn't coming from yeah, me. Yeah, this is just Georgia. Yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Speaking of Georgia, they of course uh, huh. won the Rose Bowl last night. So awesome! I'm so happy for them. Fifty four forty eight over Oklahoma. Did you game. you wanted Georgia? Oh, absolutely! Yeah. I have friends. I wanted everybody. Oklahoma. What? I really wanted. Oklahoma. Why do you want Oklahoma? Why? Because I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, Baker Mayfield. Jerk. Uh, I like the guy. Mm-hmm. I think he's talented. Mm-hmm. I think he should be the first quarterback taken in the draft, but he won't be. Okay. For some reason, everybody's enamored of uh, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen in L.A. So, <laughs> But if it was up to me and I had the first pick, I'm going Baker Mayfield. Are you now? 888 More Pack Gray Unleashed. Coming up. Gray, the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray returns on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome, triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Hopefully, you had a great Christmas, Merry Christmas, and a, a Happy New Year. Uh, I find for us, New Year's Eve isn't really a thing anymore, and we just kind of gave up on that. You do a big thing on New Year's Eve? We watch movies. That's what Give we me do. A break. Yeah, I don't it's, celebrate the clock changing. <laughs> Stop. I'm gonna stay up. I'm it gonna is, stay up till midnight. It's kind of weird that we make such a big deal out of that. So what? Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's 2018 now. Woo! Okay. And? I'm going to just wait until the morning, like when I wake up. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, <laughs> so sue me if I sleep through a few minutes of the new year. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be there in the morning. Okay. Very true. Okay. Yeah, it's very true. Mm-hmm. Um, we're wondering now, uh, the intense question, how old is elderly? When exactly does somebody become elderly? (laughs) It's an issue now because a recent New York Times story called a 69-year-old woman elderly. Philadelphia Metro considers 70 to be elderly. Hmm. When NPR ran a story recently about a 71-year-old midwife, some readers objected to the word elderly in the original title. One commenter said, really? Elderly midwife? She's 71 and delivering babies. There's nothing elderly about her in these days, not even her age. Another wrote, I was 70 in February, and I certainly don't feel elderly. Elderly is at least over 80, and as someone else suggested, maybe even 95. (laughs) When when does elderly begin in your mind? Let's see, I'm 41. 41. At 41? I feel elderly. Are you elderly Most now? days, yes. No, I don't know. It's like when you start at, okay, how about when you start asking for the senior citizen discount? Do you then become? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You just, you've, you've put, you've forced yourself into that camp. Yeah, which is why I will, even when I get to that age, I will never ask for the uh-huh. senior citizen discount. It's not going to happen. Sorry. Okay. Well, I'm going to start asking for it I, I would say elderly is, hmm. Now that I'm in my 50s. I was going to say, does it change? Does it keep it going further and absolutely further? Absolutely. Because when I was 20, elderly would have been now uh-huh. for me. <laughs> See? 
But now I think elderly is like 88. You're elderly. That's a pretty specific number. How'd yeah. you come to that one? It just, a formula, it just seemed formula? like a, you know, a good double uh, numbered huh. age. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it's still 30 years uh, in the future for me hmm. or a little more than that. So yeah, let's say 88. <laughs> let's say 88. <laughs> or a little more than that. Or a little, maybe 98. <laughs> Triple eight. Uh, now Jeffy. Nine hundred thirty-three, ninety-three. There's a good answer. Let's just if you're old. Jeffy's age, <laughs> you're elderly. Okay. <laughs> I think, oh my gosh! What was it? My kids actually picked up on a on a Jeffy pun this weekend. Oh my goodness! I forget what it was, but uh, I don't know. We were talking about something Grover Cleveland era, and uh, and my kids said we should ask Jeffy. <laughs> So anyway, funny. I, even my kids are doing it now. <laughs> there's, it. Yeah, there's no escape. I mean, <laughs> the poor guy just from everybody. Uh, in 1956, some Americans were were bristling back then at the description when a 20 year old girl referred to a 40 year old man as elderly in a Washington Post story. Mm. Readers reacted to that, too. The paper published the executive editor's advice to his staff about usage of the word. Wow, so we've been battling this, fighting this battle for a long time. A lot of us old folks in our 50s do not like to be called elderly, the editor opined. When you're a great deal older than you are now, you'll discover that the time a man becomes elderly is exactly like the place where the earth and sky meet. So by the time you get there, uh-huh. yeah, it's, it's not like, that you're not, not that you're not anymore. There. No, <laughs> uh, let's go to DC in Oklahoma. You're on the blaze. Pat Gray, how's it going? Doing good. I have been wanting to talk to you for a while because you have a similar pet peeve that I used to have, where when somebody uh, calls the United States a democracy, especially when a politician does it, uh, it perturbs mm-hmm. you. We were yes. set up as a uh, representative republic. Yep. But I came to the realization in the 2016 election that our politics has been changed so much, especially the election process, that even the Republican Party now nominates its uh, candidates democratically. Yeah. yeah. And we no longer have a republic, especially as far as elections go. We have moved closer to a democracy, to the point now even where the Electoral College delegates, for instance, in Oklahoma, the Republican Party picks, let's say, 10 delegates, and the Democratic Party does uh, as well. And when you go vote on the ballot, you're not voting for the candidate. You're voting for party delegates that have party loyalty mm-hmm. that will vote for the candidate uh, when the Electoral College meets. So aside from balancing um, highly populated areas versus rural ones, mm-hmm. um, everything else in our, elect- in our election process has been moved towards a democracy. So I think we need to identify that, and then we can start working to correct the issue and move back towards a republic. Yeah, the, you're, you're, you're right, but all of what you've outlined there is why— it- the pet peeve is even stronger for me than it ever has been because appreciate the call DC as we move closer to the democracy, democracy moves closer to socialism and that's what they mean by democratic, uh, by a democracy now is they're actually, it's a, it's a euphemism for socialism and it's, uh, it's social democracy or democratic socialism, and they just shorten that to democracy. And that's what, I mean, you you listen to Bernie Sanders, and he'll flat out tell you what democracy is. He believes it to be democratic socialism. And so that's why 
I think it's worth continuing to fight that fight, uh, even though yes, we're we're off track and we've gotten more and more off track as we've as we've gone down the road. Yeah, and we're always losing those language battles. Yep. So I think that's a good place to plant your flag. I think so too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think you know there are some battles worth not surrendering, yeah. and and that's definitely one of them to me. Democracy. Two cats and a mouse figuring out what's for dinner. Boom. That exactly. sums it up if you need to dumb it down for someone. And and so for a guy who's supposed to be so brilliant and so wise and so smart, a guy like Barack Obama continually referring to us as a democracy, you know he's doing it for a reason. They're trying to get us used to that. Just as uh, the abortionists got us used to pro-choice i'm not taking a life i'm just making a choice here i'm just choosing yeah you're choosing to eliminate someone from this planet uh that's more than choice that's uh that's murder so we can't continually give up on these uh on these language definitions anymore and a fun fact for you uh, the word democracy does not appear anywhere in the Constitution. So as Pat Gray might say, put that in your pipe. And smoke it. And smoke it. Just like they did on CNN, where they put mm. marijuana in their pipe, in their bong pipe, and smoked it <laughs> uh, New Year's Eve. God. So, yeah, it's beautiful. Good stuff. Uh, some of the worst trends of 2017 that supposedly this year are going away. Number one, fidget spinners. Oh, they're gone. That was. Uh, Is this something that you ever got into? I, my kids did. Absolutely. Yeah, I. We were at some friends' house uh, in Utah during the summer, and they had fidget spinners, and I could see the appeal. It's kind of fun, but um, it lasted about five minutes, and then I was pretty much over the fidget spinner thing. <laughs> but supposedly these were made to help with ADHD, and they probably do. But for everybody else, uh, according to this article, it's just a distraction. There's no reason you need to spend money on a gold-plated spinner. Don't be that coworker with an annoying habit of spinning while you should be working. If you need to fidget, please fidget spin responsibly at home, alone. <laughs> fidget behind closed doors. Number two thing that uh, should go away this year. Unicorn anything. <laughs> Whose idea was it to take a wonderful mythical creature and drop it into daily life? Stay out of my cake, off my neck, and please stop making them poop rainbows. <laughs> I think that's what started it. Was it? Is it Skittles that does that, or is it? Plus, there's another. Uh, oh, potty. the ice cream. Uh, the squatty potty. Yeah, squatty potty. Yeah. Oh, so nasty. <laughs> Unicorns have their place in fairy tales, but not in my frappuccino. Please don't eat magical creatures. They're not good for you. Uh, number three on the list: <laughs> voice-enabled tech. I know, I know. This is going to be part of the future, so we might as well get used to it. But Google never listens to me. Trying to talk to your phone and get it to function the way you want is like hurting a bunch of toddlers in a petting zoo. <laughs> it's not going to go well. I just hope they can work out the kinks before everyone switches to voice-activated electronics. Voice-activated anything, like in my car, when I'm trying to do a voice-activated thing, so you can be hands, you know, your hands and your eyes are focused on the, on the wheel in the road... Uh, and then you try to make a phone call mm -hmm. that's voice activated. <laughs> uh, call Paul. Call mom. No. Call Paul. 
calling mom. No! <laughs> I'm saying Paul calling Saul. <laughs> they just can't get it, can't get it right. It's one of those things that, in theory, it sounds great. In theory, it'd be great. But if it really it worked, work, it'd be awesome, but it, it doesn't. Uh, number four thing that should go away this year, according to this article, uh, big round fake glasses. If you need by if you need glasses, by all means, pick the ones you like the most. It's going to be your most worn accessory, so uh, do it. However, if you're just wearing them to appear smarter, stop. <laughs> Especially since everyone has has decided to look like Harry Potter in them. Mm. Just buy yourself some sunglasses; they're way more useful. Uh, number five, rose gold. This is a uh, fad I'm not familiar with. Rose gold clothes, rose gold phone protectors, gold nails, rose gold jewelry, rose gold iPhones, uh, and so on. Apparently, there's a lot of that going on, which I've missed out on that fad entirely. Me too. Number six, making your lips look like Kylie Jenner's. This is a fad that you see everywhere because everybody's everybody wants the fat lips now. I'm all for making yourself look pretty if you think you need it. However, what part about big, puffy, irritated lips is pretty? <laughs> Learn to work with your natural features instead of using a water bottle to enhance yourself. Uh, number seven, dabbing. Dabbing has become the new planking. It's only cool in your mind. Is that the thing where they do the... It's Cam Newton's the Cam- oh, celebration. hate that. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I yeah. don't understand why it's happening. Yeah. It was never cool to begin with, yeah. and now everybody is doing it. Why? I had to break my youngest daughter of oh. that habit in softball. Oh I my said, gosh. stop being Cam Newton, be Barry Sanders. Act like you've been there, yes. and just go to the dugout. Yes. Ugh. These celebrations in the NFL, by the way, not just dabbing, hmm? but all these weird celebrations. I mean, no, wait, when on. you've just made a tackle. Okay, yes. Okay, get up and go back to the huddle. No. You made a tackle. Yes. Don't act like you just won the Super Bowl when you made a tackle. I I agree with that, but I do enjoy the creative, like the leapfrog and the snowball fights and uh, the rockets. I do like the end zone celebrations. I go back to Barry Sanders on those. Pretend like you've been there before. But they're still fun to watch. Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, Number eight. And this is one where I've got participants in my own family. Homemade slime. (laughs) <laughs> Are your kids into the slime thing? Oh my uh, gosh, it's unbelievable. This my daughter is always asking me for uh, a glue or shaving cream. I'm like, what? Shaving cream? What do you need shaving cream? I'm making slime. Ugh. Ah, why? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> my kids made something like that, but it wasn't slime. It was more like these little stress balls. You put them in a Ziploc bag type thing. Yeah. And they mixed this. Flour. It's like slime, but um, yeah. If you yeah. look on, if you look on the web, if uh-huh. you go to YouTube and you look for these slime videos, yeah, some of them have seven, ten million views, fifteen million, twenty million. There's that slime thing, and the other thing is uh, uh, playing with toys on on YouTube videos. You'll have adults buy a product, bring it home, unwrap it. They're, they're filming themselves the whole time. And then they play with the toy and then post it on YouTube. And tens of millions of people watch this stuff. There is a woman who plays with toys (laughs) and makes $7 million a year from her YouTube business. 
playing with toys for YouTube. I gotta go. I know! It is unreal. It's unreal. What is her name? Do you know? I don't. Oh my I don't God. remember. We're but finding it's, this. it's pathetic. It's unbelievable. Uh, another bad trend, vaping. Mm. That's the smoking the vapor thing. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be better than cigarettes mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. It's almost, it's just as nasty. Yeah. We had somebody around here who used to do it. And mm. I, I uh, just walk up and down the hall vaping yep. all day long. Yep. <laughs> and it is unpleasant <laughs> to say the least. So they say that's on the way out. I certainly hope so. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three with your thoughts. More of Pat Gray Unleashed coming up. Pat Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio Network. Unleashed. Welcome. 888-933-93. Pat Gray Unleashed. Uh, we were just talking about the, uh, you know, some of these trends. And one of the weird ones is playing with toys on YouTube. And I mentioned the woman who made $7 million a year doing this. Actually, according to this story, and I, I'm not sure if this is the same person, but it sounds like it. She actually makes $5 million a year. So a gross exaggeration. But this story is... uh... Five million a year, but get this. She's completely anonymous. Mm -hmm. You never see her face. Uh, She is a toy unboxer of DC Toys, and she was 2014, so this was a 2015 article, but she was 2014's most popular YouTube channel with, get this, 380 million views a month. What is happening? Three, almost 400 million views per month B- because she unwraps a toy and then in a lilting voice and cutesy nail art, she plays with the toy <laughs> and then it's over. <laughs> a lot of people have tried to track her down and they've failed. Uh, but the report is that in 2014 alone, she made $5 million. That is absolutely incredible. And you think, okay, why can't I come up with something like that? Hell, I don't even know how to put a video on YouTube. I I don't either. I couldn't. (laughs) If you told me that my life depends on a YouTube video right now, I'd be dead in five minutes because (laughs) I don't have any idea how to do it. Are we that uncool? Uh, Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) I guess so. And people unwrapping and playing with toys are making five million a year. <laughs> Why am I so bad at this? Right, I'm laughing, but I'm actually pissed. <laughs> I'm really pissed. Uh, you know, it's it's like the Bitcoin thing. I can't get on that train. Oh. I can't get on the well. the YouTube train. Hmm. It's just, it's really irritating. You had me. some listeners over the holidays uh, speculating that you had gotten into Bitcoin since. Yeah, because uh, it went down one day, <laughs> quite right? a bit, quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, one weekend, I know uh, it went from from sixteen to ten, but mm. then it was back up to sixteen again. Mm. I don't know where it is now. Yeah, as we speak, it's currently thirteen eight two six thirteen thousand, about fourteen thousand. Oh, it's really? Yeah, it's gone down quite a bit. Yeah. I actually called my financial guy and I said, uh, "Am I first of all?" Am I in Bitcoin? 
Because <laughs> okay. he, you know, makes investments for me, and I, I don't know all the investments. Um, and he said no. Okay. And I'm like, uh, why? Isn't it a pretty good investment? He said, well, n- no, we don't think so. We look at it as a commodity, and, you know, at some point in the future, it could be a good investment. I said for... For, I, I'm sorry, but for people who bought at $300 a coin and it's now 16000 that's already a pretty good investment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, yeah, if you got in on it early. Sure. Well, okay. But, but how do you know when it's early? Right. Hold you on. don't. When you're done and ranting. 13000 might be early. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you feel better about yourself. Are you done venting? I'm done. Okay. I'm done now. You do know the uh, running back in the NFL, Darren McFadden, most recently played for the Dallas Cowboys. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he instructed um, his financial advisor to put $3 million into Bitcoin uh, several years back. Oh, my and God. And when he... $3 uh, million? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What was the price, does it say? It, it'd be worth $237 million if... Oh, no. If his financial advisor had actually done what the man asked him to do. $237 million? Yeah, he found and out. And the guy did not do it? Yeah, he found out a couple of weeks ago. He calls, hey, this Bitcoin's taken off. Uh, what am I sitting at now with that $3 million investment? Oh, you were serious? Mm. Oh, my. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. Uh, let's see. How pissed would you be? I, I uh, would sue the guy. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, For $237 million. Mm-hmm. Trying to figure out. I don't see in this article Jeez. that I pulled up um, where the exact point in time when he asked him to do this uh, investment. Unreal. But uh, ironically, um, his financial advisor, no relation, his name is Michael Vick. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, let's see. I'm trying to wow. figure out when this was. But anyway, $3 million should have been worth $237 million when McFadden placed that follow-up phone call. Oh, my gosh. I would have liked some proof at some point, actually. But uh, Wow. That really sucks. But hey, but look, did it, did it, did I do well there? I made you feel better about yourself? Yes. Okay. Slightly. Good. But <laughs> not completely. Okay. Wow. Uh-huh. I do know some people who did take advantage at a, at a fairly early time and are doing quite well now. And uh, it's just, it's agonizing. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really agonizing. Uh, 888 Um We were talking about uh, some of the movies that are uh, are out right now, including Star Wars. There's now a Netflix series that's coming out called The End of the Effing World. Although they don't just say effing in the, in the trailers, apparently, because the trailer says it's not safe for work, uh, which usually means there's language or some other problem with it. And it was, it's... Uh, Apparently, about a psychopath teenager who wants to murder people and selects a girl in his class that he intends on killing just because he wants to. And then he, he somewhere along the line, apparently falls in love with this girl. And what a twisted, bizarre, sick world we live in where uh, that's considered entertainment. Mm. Self-proclaimed psychopath and a foul-mouthed rebel fed up with her boring life get together and, and fall in love. And the two teenagers embark on a road trip to find a better life and escape the impending doom of adulthood. As their chaotic journey unfolds, it becomes apparent that these two have crossed a line and have no choice but to take it as far as they can. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> uh, 
And it's another one you got to be concerned with whether your kids are watching because this uh, that doesn't sound like quality material to me. Uh, also, last year, this is some good news. Virtually every climate change movie that came out flopped. Hmm? Yep. <laughs> uh, including Blade Runner 2049, Geostorm, Downsizing, and the worst of them all, an inconvenient sequel, Truth to Power. Oh, and Mother. <laughs> all flopped in spectacular fashion last year. So we, at least we have that going for uh-huh. us. Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. We're taking some flack, apparently, on Twitter. Hang on a second. Where you can tweet us, by the way. No, I'm glad you're bringing this up. Go ahead Uh, and tell them. I'll tell you who's getting more flack is this guy. But after you you explain the other. We're we're getting flack because we don't know how to put uh, videos on YouTube. Uh We've got people to do that. Yes, we work for a for a broadcast company that has to broadcast things and get things on the air. <laughs> we got people who do that. Right, we've us. got staff. Right, staff. put this on YouTube. Put it staff. on YouTube. Get a get do the YouTube okay thingy. But worse than that, <laughs> I'm I'm getting I'm getting grief because I mentioned Barry Sanders in Go to the Dugout. Okay, so people think that I think Barry Sanders was a baseball was player. a baseball player. No, I'm making the point that my youngest daughter, who plays softball, mm-hmm. when she crosses home, she used to dab like Cam Newton, mm. who just happens to play football. Okay, right. and right. so I say, no, go to the dugout, be like Barry Sanders, who just hands the ball right. to the referee. Don't give me this. I think Barry Sanders goes to a dugout. Please, <laughs> what do I look like, Glenn Beck? Right. <laughs> Come on, right, we're done. I think we're done. Okay. Yeah. All right, triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. This uh, this this trend of uh, transgendered people being involved in things that you might not expect, or that they probably wouldn't have been allowed to be involved in uh, a few years ago, is really sweeping the not just the country but the world. There's a trans boxer who is making a big debut in France now. Uh, uh, a woman who used to be a guy is going to allow, be allowed to box women in France. Is is that fair? <laughs> I don't know. I kind of think not, right? <laughs> I just remember the good old <laughs> days when the only thing that followed the word trans was fat. Yes. And now it's boxer, too? Yes. Trans boxer? Jeez. Okay. It's really something. Um, a few weeks ahead of the Muay Thai match in Paris... There's a 21-year-old who's training really hard with her brother as a sparring partner. Now, it used to be his brother, and now uh, this person is training as a woman to fight uh, uh, people who were born women. Is that the same thing? I guess we're supposed to pretend it is. We're supposed to pretend that a trans person who, who is now female has the same structural makeup as a person who's been a female their entire life, 
I'm sorry. It's just we don't need to follow the lie, do we? There are things that are just science, biology, and we're the ones who are always accused of of being anti-science. And yet, we're supposed to just fall in line and say, well, yeah, that's not a problem. Yeah, let this uh, former man box women. Why not? Well, I don't know, because this person's muscles are different. This person's bone structure is different. This person is built differently than a person who was born a female. And as, as a matter of fact, a lot of them haven't even been through the surgery. They haven't been through years and years and years of hormone therapy. They're just sometimes in the very beginning stages of it or in the middle phase, phase of it. And you can't tell me that's fair to women. Wow. I mean, I okay. But when this hits the Olympics and when this hits all the high schools and all the colleges, things are going to change and people are going to get hurt. And we're going to wish that we'd handled this a little bit differently. But in France, apparently, they don't care about any of this. Uh, just, wow. I've given up, Pat. I know. I, I just, whatever. Man. I know. I mean, it's so bad that even though they have rules against um, uh, steroids, you know, hormones, taking testosterone, they're allowing the testosterone in some of these trans athletes because they're making the transition. So it's fine for them, but not for everybody else. Well, you can't make a special exemption like that for some people and not others. I I just, the whole thing's upside down. (laughs) The whole thing is upside down. And welcome to 2018, just like 2017. (laughs) Man, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. (laughs) Uh, speaking of bosses, apparently Chris Matthews is a really good one. Um, his, uh, his show, the Chris Matthews show now Mm. is apparently at times openly derisive and brazenly sexist. And that's the kind of operation he runs over at MSNBC. And it's led to at least some of his staffers describing themselves as victims of battered wives syndrome. Two former NBC producers independently allege that Matthews rates the looks of his female guests on a scale and said Matthews was so abusive that the staff joked about being battered women. The interviews in total paint Matthews as a tyrant, liable to fly off the handle at the slightest mistake, who was eager to objectify women and make inappropriate sexual comments appear to be a matter of course. Uh, is there any doubt that in your mind that that's true? Because there's no doubt in my mind. <laughs> I believe that entirely of Chris Matthews. <laughs> Both former NBC producers requested anonymity because they're afraid for their careers. Uh, one of them said, sadly, I know other women who won't even be an anonymous source regarding Chris because they're that concerned about the door being closed on career opportunities. According to them, whose uh, combined time at the network spans almost the whole lifespan of hardball, Matthews frequently objectified his female guests and staffers, inappropriately comments on their appearance and clothing, allegedly uses pet names like Cutie and Sweetie Pie to refer to female guests. Now, this is 
keep in mind, this is a champion for women. This is mm. a man who's all about women's rights and equality and all of those things that we all strive so hard for. According to his producers, he would eye down a woman who walked on the set or comment on their features or what they were wearing, undressing them with his eyes. He would objectify them and interrupt them in a way that he would never do to his male guests. He has a very outdated view of women. <gasps> Chris Matthews? No. That can't be. I'm sure this is a very incredibly important story you're reading over there. But it uh, is. Un unfortunately, every time that uh, you mention the name Chris Matthews, all I can hear inside my head is, what's that? Who pays, Who your, pays your salary? <laughs> Sorry, admission there. I mean. Well, he abuses those guests, too. <laughs> Anybody right. on the right, he's verbally Jesus. verbally abusing them. Just What's a... that? Who pays your salary? Well, I, I told you, Chris, Americans for Prosperity. What's that? Who pays your salary? Well, I told you, I'm paid by <laughs> Americans for Prosperity. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you look good in a miniskirt. <laughs> I don't know. Is it that difficult to imagine? Yeah, no, no it's not. It's really you not. You can totally see. This is so him. Absolutely. Also, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee was apparently, uh, and, and here's another believable story. She apparently got somebody kicked out of first class so that she could instead sit in that first class seat. Because, you know, Congress people are just better than the rest of us. We all know that, right? Yes. You've, you've got to be treated better than we do. Absolutely. And just because this woman paid for her first class seat doesn't mean she should be able to occupy it. Nah, she can ride back and coach. It's Sheila Jackson Lee. She's a lawmaker. She's got to sit in first class. <laughs> this woman has behaved so badly oh. so many times oh. on planes, in automobiles, in her limousines that she uses. Um, and the latest was when a United Airlines passenger said she was booted from her first class seat to accommodate... The Texas Democrat, who shot back by saying the only reason the woman complained was because Sheila Jackson Lee mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is black. Mm -hmm. If she was kicked out of her first class seat by a white person, she wouldn't even complain. No. No. That is preposterous. Are you kidding me? I, I don't care who is kicking me out of my first class seat that I paid double the price for or triple in some cases. And I want that extra room and, you know, the extra food and whatever else goes along with it. And now you're making me ride back and coach when I paid good money to be up there. And I wouldn't complain if it was a white person. This is so ridiculous. And this woman who lost her seat to the esteemed congresswoman, mm -hmm. um, she was traveling from South America. She was exhausted. And, and, and so it wasn't like this. Oh, OK, I'll just be I'm cool. No, she had been traveling from South America halfway across the globe. Good heavens. And she, she wanted the extra room. She was looking forward right. to relaxing and stretching out. Right. Sheila Jackson Lee's just the worst. Oh, just so bad. This is the same woman who's been documented saying, telling her employees, calling them stupid MFers, <laughs> uh, while she says things like, you don't understand, I'm a queen, and I demand to be treated like a queen. Yep. Yeah, and she's also brilliant for requesting pictures of the American flag. On that, Mars. That we planted on Mars, apparently. Remember that? <laughs> Remember that trip to, to Mars where yeah. we planted the American flag? I think that was Apollo 972 <laughs> when we took that one. Um, no, uh, what was the other thing that, uh, oh, my gosh. Oh, 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 oh. 
She had the uh, nosebleed on TV and told her staff, get away, get away. I want the nosebleed on TV. Remember this? Just a couple yeah. weeks ago. She actually, I don't think she knew no. that. No, no, no. But they were trying to, mm-hmm. they were trying to help her. And, and the makeup person came uh, over to try to dab away the blood from her nose and she had a fit. Waved her away. Waved I'm on her the away. Air. So for get s- off of me. Seven and a half minutes on MSNBC. There was dried blood on the congresswoman's <laughs> nose. <laughs> but incredible. it was on MSNBC, so you might have missed that. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yep. Good stuff. Yeah, she's wonderful. <laughs> and yet again, here's another case where uh, a woman has been elected over and over and over and over again, despite the fact. That she thinks herself to be a queen and above everybody else. She says the dumbest things. <laughs> she she has no idea that we haven't even been to Mars on a manned flight. <laughs> and, and yet, you know, her district just keeps putting her back in office. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. they know the name. And I've lived in her district, and it's so beautiful. Isn't it oh beautiful? Oh, my goodness, yes. Houston's third ward, if you haven't been there, it is... Uh, pristine? Oh, it's pristine. Beautiful? Yet lovely. Um, Especially this time of year. A lot of... You know, when the uh, when the dead body chalk outlines uh-huh. are washed away by the winter rains. Oh, it's... Yeah, there's a lot of dried so, blood in that neighborhood, so I'll tell you that. So beautiful. So beautiful. 888 <laughs> More Pat Gray Unleashed coming up. Pat Gray Unleashed returns after this on the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray returns. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. We're talking about uh, fads from twenty seventeen that are going away in twenty eighteen. Things like the fidget spinner, uh, unicorn, everything. And um, I'm hoping that YouTube videos with adults playing with children's toys is a fad that goes away, along with maybe the homemade slime fad. Mm. If you got teenagers or or younger kids. I'll bet you're aware of the fad that involves uh, making slime at home. It's, I mean, it's huge mm. with millions and millions of views from the people who show you how to do it and what ingredients like shaving cream. Who would have guessed shaving cream is in slime? I would never have, uh, never have guessed that had I not seen it at my house over and over and over again. Oh, you got to find a use for it. <laughs> Nobody shaves anymore, so... So I'd like to hear about what trend you would like to see go away. Are there trends that we're not thinking of that uh, should be should be over and should end with the old year? Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Also got some uh, tweets here at Pat Unleashed from GD Chapel. So ready for another three hours of the smooth, velvety voice mm. of Pat Gray Unleashed. Sure glad you guys are good. I'm, we're glad we're back, too. Thank you. And it's yeah. great to have you with us. Velvety. I actually was ready to come back after about the first five days of vacation. Like, okay, time, <laughs> to, time to go back to work. Were you now? I was. Okay. I actually was. Uh, narcissistic narwhal. <laughs> I identify as elderly, and you're a bigot if you don't accept my pronoun. I'm in my 30s. <laughs> uh, Dad bod blog. If elderly is bad or triggering... Why is using elders in church not? That's a good question. 
Three Jeeps Three says, by definition, elderly is beyond middle age or showing signs of aging. They say if you're a if you get a senior grocery store discount, you're elderly. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I'm not there. I don't get one. Oh, wait a second. You're not going to tell everyone what you just tweeted out? What did I just tweet out? Ah, oh, the picture of Sheila Jackson Lee. In oh, case of you course. missed the picture of, of the the blood. I almost forgot beautiful face that I hers. just tweeted that out. You forgot. <laughs> At Pat Wait a minute, that was just, you did it like 30 seconds I, ago. I know. But Maybe you are elderly after all. Perhaps. Oh, no. <laughs> just had a senior moment. <laughs> I forgot my own tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you forget a lot of your tweets. Actually. I do. I mean, I actually do. It's, when's the last time you remember strange... tweeting? Nah, it's been a while. Been a while, been a good 30 seconds? Yeah, probably. And before that? Mm hmm. I don't even remember the last time you tweeted before that, actually. <laughs> It's been a long couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, it has. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. There's a trend or fad you'd like to uh, see go away, head into extinction. Also, uh, we were talking on Glenn's show early um, about Woodward and Bernstein appearing on CNN, and is it's Carl Bernstein, right? And Bob yeah, Woodward. Bob, mm-hmm. Carl Bernstein is talking about how the media has done such a good job covering this president. I mean, he had a few criticisms, but overall, the general impression that Bernstein has is that they've done some magnificent work involving covering Donald Trump uh, since the election. Uh, and then finally at the end, and and the, uh, the CNN anchor was, of course, agreeing and offering some amens to what Bernstein was saying. Then Woodward jumps in at the end and kind of brings the discussion into reality just a bit. Uh, we have that video. Let's take a look at that. The tone is a big yes, issue here. I in, agree. In, in lots this, well, of, stop uh, the video for a second, if you could. Particularly stop on it here. television comments. Because uh, it's got to be set up with, uh, with the Bernstein comments. So listen to this. Uh, and we need to admit our mistakes. We oughtn't to be too provocative, which we sometimes are, with a president who's putting a lot of bait out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes we take debate and mm-hmm. get a little petty. No, uh, I'd like to see no. a lot less of criticizing uh, on our air the president for playing golf. Let him play all the golf that he wants. I don't okay. think that's our job. We've got sure. a deadly, serious inquiry in front of us. And the mm-hmm. reporting... By and large, Here we by go. the mainstream press, by, by the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, CNN. the Wall Street Journal, uh-huh. has been some of the greatest reporting of the presidency Amen. that we Amen. have seen uh, in the last 50, 60 years. Amen, Carl. Uh, Amen, Carl. Amen. And let's move on. <laughs> let's stop it right there. Amen. Amen. The best reporting on any president in the last 50 or 60 years. Some of the greatest reporting ever done on a president of the United States. Amen. Hallelujah. Singing the praises of what Carl just That's said. Right. Oh, but I, but I, if it just uh, real quickly, uh, the tone is a big Bob. issue yes. here. I agree. In, okay. in lots of uh, reporting, particularly on television commentary, there's a kind of self-righteousness mm-hmm. and, and smugness and, and people kind of uh, ridiculing mm-hmm. the president. Uh, when we huh. reported on Nixon, uh, it was obviously a, a very different era. But uh, there was, we did not uh, adopt oh, right. a tone of ridicule. I, the tone was, what are the facts? I have to. Bef- now, of course, she's going to jump in with some amens and hallelujahs again, sure. right? Before we go, I have yeah. to ask about something that, that you informed mm-hmm. me about. A, a 
Woodward and Bernstein bond that continues. To Wait, uh, right. there's no follow No, up? she just <laughs> no follow up on that. Dana Bash. Just, we just Dana Bash, <laughs> Dana Bash, or whatever, just changes the subject. <laughs> no, I don't want to hear huh. about the tone. Okay, I don't want to hear any of that. No, because no, mean, I got some... no amens and no hallelujahs to what Woodward <laughs> just said. <laughs> so pathetic. What's bad? Oh my gosh, and so predictable. Amen, Carl. Amen. Some of the greatest reporting in the history of the world from CNN and the. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Bless you for saying that. Finally, someone has but I think sung one our thing praises. That has to change is the tone, though. Um, is, Let me is ask you about something uh, else. What about tone? Woodward and Bernstein's friendship? No, the, I want to talk about. Let me ask you about something else. Uh, why don't we talk about unicorns and uh, whether like whether or not you like unicorn <laughs> cupcakes? <laughs> so ridiculous. We I want to talk about so. the bond. Woodward and Bernstein. It's embarrassing. It, it's just CNN has become pathetic. And and it, it's I'm almost embarrassed for them. In fact, I am. I'm embar- I'm embarrassed on their behalf because they're not embarrassed for themselves. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to be. I got to do the whole thing. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Uh, also, speaking of the way this president is covered and reported on, back when uh, President Trump promised to end the war on Christmas during the campaign, something he said he fulfilled <laughs> during this Christmas season. He's already done that. Um, but his critics believe that his crusade to say Merry Christmas is promoting Nazi-esque white supremacism. Oh, wait, I'm, wait, I'm sorry? Yeah, it's his crusade to say Merry Christmas to people is Nazi-esque white supremacism. Newsweek magazine featured three university pref- professors in a story on Christmas Eve who have said that Trump's desire to say Merry Christmas instead of the politically correct Happy Holidays is steeped in racism. Because, of course, it's only white people who say Merry Christmas, Hmm. right? The critics uh, said he's promoting an exclusionary holiday and is attempting to define America as a country of white Christians. How does Merry Christmas say that to anybody? I I, I can't speak for you, Pat, but I know that every Mm -hmm. time that while we were away and I was wishing people Merry Christmas... I literally just had images of Hitler and doing the Nazi salute. Like really? Just, right. I mean, that's what I saw in my head. Yeah. Yeah. My huh. head. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I can't speak for you. That's, no, that's, that's interesting. So Richard King, who's a professor at Washington State University. It's even in Spokane, Washington. Good heavens. Uh, or is Washington State's not in Spokane? That's yes. Gonzaga. Washington State's in Pullman, I think. Oh, okay. So a tiny little town, Pullman, Washington. Mm-hmm. Way uh, out near Idaho. Yes. This guy says, I see such invocations of Christmas as a kind of cipher, what some would call a dog whistle. Oh, sweet. Okay, good. I love that term. Mm-hmm. It does not appear to be intolerant or extreme, but to attentive audiences, it speaks volumes see, yeah. about identity and belonging, who and what we are, fully American. Yeah. Much like Make America Great Again, panics over the protests by NFL players and the defense of Confederate memory, Christmas is a way to talk about peril, to assert a soft or hard (laughs) version of white nationalism. 
laughing. Come on. <laughs> I, how do you even how do you even speak these words together in a sentence? And and do you even even reply if someone actually says that to you? Uh, seriously. I don't even know what to say other than Dr. Randy Blazek, sociology professor at the University of Oregon, com- explains, committed white nationalists love Trump's Bring Back Christmas campaign almost as much as evangelicals. His followers see this as gospel and a rebuking of multiculturalism and political correctness and the growing influence of Jews, Muslims, atheists, and other non-wasps. <laughs> as if... Our, our, are they saying here that there's no black or Hispanic Christians? No, man, stop. Are you, you know insane? I mean. Are you insane? The <laughs> far right's engagement in the war on Christmas explicitly posits that there is one single and true or correct Christmas. Well, yeah, uh, there is one Christmas. It's celebrating Christmas, Christ Mass, the birth of... Of Christ. Yeah, but that's the Christmas that falls on December 25th. <laughs> You're right, right, about, right. You've heard Christmas Christmases. in July, right? Uh, <laughs> Do you yes. not celebrate that one? <laughs> Hater. <laughs> Trump and the Nazis share aspects of race baiting and perhaps broader aspects of extreme conservatism. Good heavens. <laughs> it's over, man. Ugh, man. <laughs> Once again, America has gone to pot. Literally. Hey. Literally Brought and home, figuratively. Triple eight nine hundred thirty-three ninety-three. Uh chew the fat with Jeffy next. Pat Gray. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Nice to have that back, isn't it? That sound, of course, means boy, did I miss time this. for chewing the fat uh, with Jeffy. Oh, I missed this. Yeah, I bet you did. It's good to be back. Isn't Happy it? New Year, Pat Gray. Happy New you. Year. Back at you. Gosh darn it. Yeah, I want this year to be the best, <laughs> the best year for you ever. Do you really? I do. Yeah, thank you. I mean that. And the same to you, uh, Jeffy. It's Why like I... a love fest, you guys. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, look. It's 2018. Shall all the acquaintances be forgotten? <laughs> Whatever. And never brought to mind. <laughs> never sung that song. <laughs> what? We're <laughs> talking about it. You sing it at New Year's Eve parties everywhere uh-huh. around the world, especially here in America. Yeah, I don't have mm-hmm. a life. I don't go out. I don't go to New Year's Eve parties. I don't mm-hmm. sing in public. I don't dance in public. No, I just wake up in the morning I on January 1st. I know. Actually, that's a sad, you know, just he as a side dance. note. I know. That's a sad thing. His poor wife I has to so dance dis- alone. So his wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dancing her heart out, mm-hmm. having a good time at the Christmas party. Yeah. Keith Malinak with a hat on, not as nice as that as that one that you're wearing today. And she's beckoning him this one? to come and out, sitting and hunched over, head down, looking at his phone while yeah. his wife. Well, is somebody's got to broadcast it to the masses, which is exactly what I did. That's. Mm-hmm. But wait a minute, let's talk about something more personal here. What's wrong with my hat? That's embarrassing. What's wrong with my hat? Embarrassing. It's a dress hat, sir. It's a dress hat. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
embarrassing. It is embarrassing. <laughs> what do you got for us, Jeff? So uh, I know you've been. Uh, we've been talking about uh, how you think it's uh, too cold out, and it's been struggling. I never uh, said it was too cold out. The cold front uh, rummaging itself across America. Uh-huh. But one of the things that uh, I was uh, noticed today, it was uh, posted uh, on a uh, Tampa, Florida. Uh, television station, uh, mm-hmm. 43 degrees in uh, Tampa, Florida. Uh, really cold for Tampa. 43 degrees in Anchorage, Alaska. Oh, nice. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. Oof. Now, I will How say. How is it so warm in Alaska? I will say that uh, 43 wow. degrees in Anchorage mm-hmm. is still colder than 43 degrees. In not Tampa. to people in Anchorage would be my guess because they're not to people to in Tampa much colder. Because 43 yeah. in Tampa is 43 in Tampa cold. is much different yeah. than 43 yes. in Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this yeah, cold no front has been so massive. I took this uh, screenshot here over the weekend. There's a um, 44 degree difference across 86 miles down in uh, southwest Texas. Wow. It was oh, yeah. uh, 26 degrees. That happens almost every year, though. It's such yeah. a big difference yeah. with I, Texas being so yeah. big and so and so widespread with different weather. Yeah. I mean, was, I don't want to break up. You were going to give the temperatures, but and now then, you ran look, out of steam. No, look, look what my phone just did. <laughs> yeah. My phone just went all foggy there. Okay, 26 and then 70. So whatever the math is on that, 44 degrees. Wow. 26 and 70, just 86 miles apart. That's amazing. That is amazing. I love that so, stuff. That's Texas. Too. That's Texas. And you know, another weird thing about Texas this year, it has snowed twice in Houston and not at all in Dallas. What? How has that happened? What? How has that happened? Where they actually got a perceptible amount of snow in Houston twice uh-huh. and we wow. got none and we're further north. See, I, I don't understand. Yeah, it. I oh. love this cold air, but it's wasted without precipitation, it, man. It, yeah, I know. Mm. I know. Anyway, yeah. enough Sorry. enough whining about meteorological the talk. Yes, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to talk about how the, how the airflow comes we, across, we, we the don't. Country we don't want to talk, and about then that. dips down below yeah, the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex into we, the Houston area. We don't want Southern that. Texas, and then that's how you're getting no uh-huh. snow. No, it's pulling right. up Gulf moisture. <clears throat> okay, <laughs> that's exactly. I tried to help you there. You're not playing. That's exactly right. <laughs> so this picture uh, posted on my wife's website mm-hmm. uh, after uh, the, one of the Christmas parties at my son's house. Uh, and uh, she asked the question, uh, what was happening? And uh, you can see that picture there, and you can ask yourself what was happening. The common theme uh, answered to that picture was that uh, hands up, don't shoot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Drug raid, mm-hmm. <laughs> cops arrive. Yeah, <laughs> but actually, it was a. Uh, you know how every year you have you hope for some story that you remember. You know, twenty years from now, remember that Christmas back in 2017. Mm-hmm. So, my son, as we go down to have Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve with him uh, in Austin, uh, he they busy coming in and out of the house all the time from the garage. They very, very rarely use their front door, as you can see it open in the picture, mm-hmm. uh, because we went out the front door uh, to get something out of the car, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the wreath that they had on the front door had become home to a bird. <laughs> oh, wow. Get and over. the doorman and the bird is flying in the house. We are flying around the house trying to catch this stupid bird. And, you know, we're trying to get I'm trying to get my <laughs> hands up, trying to feed that bird out of the door. And it finally... Uh, <laughs> we caught it once. Elvis mm-hmm. caught it once in the trash can, but he dropped the trash can from upstairs, <laughs> oh, so no. we couldn't get it back. So it flew out. It was oh. still shook up, flying around, and it finally flew up to the uh, light hanging down in the hallway of the stairwell, 
of uh, the chandelier light hanging down there, and it stood there, and Elvis had the trash can up, and it was like, finally the bird realized after about 10 minutes, like, okay, he's going to put me in this trash can, and I'm going to get out of this house. <laughs> so he let him put it in the trash bag, oh. or in the trash can, and then he walked it outside, and it flew out, and it landed right on top of the corner of the garage in the house there, and it just sat there for a minute like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> I mean, it was banging into walls, flying yeah. around into lights, freaking out. It was it was unbelievable. They get they're crazy when they're inside. <laughs> they we got it. It we was had a, amazing. We had our window open one summer night in Connecticut the first time we lived there. So uh, it was the Hartford, New Haven area, and a bat flew into oh, our, nice. our bedroom. And it was going nuts oh, yeah, trying did. to get out. It, it it was going back and forth and all around. And it was tough to catch. Oh, yeah. I mean, it drives I you back crazy. A, I threw, yeah, it does. I finally threw a blanket over it and dragged it outside. Yeah, and then reached up and, and pulled the blanket <laughs> off of it, and nothing was there. The bat had disappeared. What? Yeah. It was weird. Uh, and you never found and it? I never found it. Oh. I never saw it again. I don't know what happened. I've been for what months. kind of weird. bong mask were you that wearing weird. in your bedroom? You can ask anybody in my family. <laughs> my wife will tell the same thing. Of course, no, you were on the same thing. It was gone. <laughs> oh, is that a bat flying around? <laughs> I think it was a vampire. I think it was it a vampire. Probably was. That's how yeah. it disappears like that. Yeah. The vampire bats just disappear like right. that. Right. That's right. Seriously, you never found it? it was... Never found it. Mm-mm. Was never in the house again, and we never saw it fly away. You, th- you never saw it fly away, so right. it possibly could have flown away. Or I don't know the other where or how, because when we... I thought you were going to say blanket. it would never leave the blanket. You know, would never, I couldn't get it off <laughs> oh, the blanket. It's nice and warm in here. Yeah, <laughs> would have hang right here for a little bit. <laughs> All right, so uh, I, I want to tell you this is... Uh, look, it's good to be back, and uh, I love you guys and everything, but uh, today's my last day. So, uh, oh, really? Yeah. Why? You got well, the uh, celebration music uh, ready to go? <laughs> the uh, Mega Millions uh, jackpot is uh, $343 million. That's tonight. Uh, mm. And mm-hmm. look, I'm, I'm giving mm-hmm. the, the possibility that I don't win tonight. So if I'm here tomorrow, then I'll win, uh, then I'll win the Powerball on Wednesday night. So, so you're involved in both of them? Oh, that's correct. Okay. That's a that's Good. a four hundred and forty million. Now, listen, I don't want to win both. Four hundred and forty million. I don't want to win both. Well, that but would just I'm be hoggish. Yeah. You know? It'd just be greedy then. So what did I? I said well, I saw the Powerball was up so high uh, this past weekend. I was like, ah, give me a Powerball. Yeah, because forty million just isn't nearly enough to even bother with. No. Now when it's four hundred million, sure. you think you want to play? It's worth. Well, why don't you just it. why don't you just play with toys on YouTube and 40, call it a day? Right. You know, I mean, forty million is like uh, you just get a couple extra bucks in taxes. And, you know, <laughs> you move on. But the uh, <laughs> the guy behind the counter says, "Well, you know, the mega is about two hundred fifty million too." This past this past weekend, and I was like, "Well, I mean, I so, don't want to win both, but go ahead and go ahead and print me out one of those bad boys too." Uh, why wouldn't you want to? Would that be seven hundred and some million dollars? Yeah, that's, uh, that's so too much. At some point, almost, you've made almost eight hundred. At million. some point, you've made too much money. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, thank you, Burrow. That's yes. You know, I'd have to give it away. Can you imagine winning four hundred and forty million dollars? Yes, I can. Oh my gosh! Yes, I, I can't can. even imagine it because I don't even make a phone call. I don't even call. No, 
You just, just hell, you don't call now uh, for anything. <laughs> Come on. Well, so no, but, I certainly wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> certainly wouldn't. I, not even coming in. You know, you're just going to have to figure it out. Yeah. When I'm in what? the south of France <laughs> with my family. Put two and two together, y'all. <laughs> Sooner or later. I think uh, I think in Texas oh, they give you so great. much time before they announce who wins. I mean, they yeah. legally have to announce it. Um, but, uh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, oh. there's... It solves every... The thing is, is I... I Honestly, I'm surprised every time I lose. Are you? I'm like, I can't. I honestly, Even though you have a one in 240 honestly, million I chance. I can't believe that mm-hmm. I didn't win. Yeah. It's like, I know that there's a I know when the odds are that good, there. when they're one in 240 or 250 million. I'm not it, concerned about the incredible. odds. It's I don't start messing with numbers. Numbers are silly. Okay. I just know that. I just know that there's a winning. That, that winning ticket is. And there. you can't it's believe nice. it was, wasn't yours. Yes. Do you pick Am the, I the numbers, only one, or do you take just take the ones that are generated? Lately, I just pick the quick picks. Um, I used to pick them, and I, my wife has a set of numbers that she plays all the time, and she's won a few times of the you know the three and the four numbers from mm-hmm. that set of numbers. But I just kind of figure the quick pick is, mm-hmm. you know, look if I pick the numbers that I want to pick, then for sure I'll win, and I don't want that kind of life. <laughs> well, because every time you win the lottery. It ruins your life. Oh, man. That's the story. I mean, that's the story, right? Mm-hmm. That's the story. You just I'd like the opportunity Lottery to see if I could buck that broke. trend. I promise you I will not be that person. Yeah, me too. Promise. I guarantee it. Promise. 100000000 million percent. I oh, guarantee it. Oh, my gosh. It. I promise. There's... Uh, can you... I just... It would just be so great. Yes, it would. To not have to worry about it ever again. Well, that's the whole thing, right? I mean, I'd still... Obviously, you'd still want to be productive and do things but yeah because you takes, get bored if you stop at this point but it takes a lot to handle and create you know that amount of money yeah you don't just throw uh-huh. to a pot. I just leave it yeah ah, you, you take care of it because we're okay it? it's only insured up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. so where do you put it you right. spread it around a lot and you got to keep an eye on things we talked about the football <laughs> player i think that uh what's his face uh for the cowboys that had put his money in bitcoin or thought he did Mm-hmm. And then the guy didn't do it. I think he's also uh, being sued for other fraud. So uh, he wasn't just alone. Oh, his financial guy? Yeah, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't all uh, just, wow. I'm, I'm not going to invest in Bitcoin. It was more of the fact that, uh, sure, you're giving me $3 million, no problem. I invest in whatever you want me to. Uh, no problem. I'll just put this money over uh, here for you a little bit. So he's, he's So I think shady. there were some other issues involved in that as well. But how devastating is that, though? Oh. I'd be you th- oh, so lit. I mean, there's not a jury in America that would put you in jail <laughs> for, for sure. that. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's thinking the same thing on that guy. Uh-huh. And for those of you that uh, were a little devastated and worried how Apple CEO Tim Cook was going to live, mm. uh, you know, because he took the big pay cut last year. He did. After, yeah. After, I mean, they, whew, man, he was down to almost nothing uh, <laughs> because uh, Apple was, uh, you know, down in sales and took a little fall. But uh, mm. listen, the par- the targets have been boosted up, and his compensation for 2017 was uh, 12.8 million, uh, which is a 47 percent rise, 50 percent rise for his compensation because the numbers are up. But what amazes me is that you think he only makes uh, you think Apple mm-hmm. CEO, mm-hmm. and you know 12 million—that's pretty good salary. Pretty good, yeah, it's great. But, think, but for it, a company that size, you would expect much more. Well. I yes, mean, when, would. when Roger Goodell makes $40 million to preside over the NFL, you would think Apple's CEO makes a lot more than that. Well, his salary is $3 million, 
uh, bonuses okay. were around $9.3 million. And then, of course, it says here, which they don't tell us what it is, other forms of compensation. Uh, a previously mm-hmm. disclosed equity award, which was uh, $89.2 million. So he got about $100 million this year. <laughs> and does that happen every year? I don't know. I think so. Because they make wow. him fly. The oh, board man. makes him fly private for security reasons. Mm-hmm. And they say that they spend two hundred and this last year they spent two hundred and twenty four thousand on security services, mm-hmm. which uh, two hundred and thirty four thousand two hundred and twenty four thousand on security. So I'm thinking um, mm. from what I'm familiar with that. Yes, when I'm familiar with five times uh, that two hundred and twenty four thousand isn't that That's much for much. security. Mm-mm. So he must not be secured twenty four seven. Right. You know, only Can't when he be travels. For that amount yeah, of money. no way. Yeah. But they make him fly private, which you know. Mm. I hate being forced to fly private. <laughs> I know, Pat. That's such a pain. Just, oh, man. When you, when you don't have to go through security and all that stuff, that is really a hassle. <laughs> you don't have to turn your phones off. Yeah. You don't have to turn your computers off. Right. You don't have to. Well, I mean, they tell you to put your seatbelt on, but you don't have to put your seatbelt on. <laughs> Usually they don't even tell you that. Yeah, I've had I've had a couple that have said that. Thought, you guys got to put your seatbelts on. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no problem. How about you go take off now? Uh-huh. Please. Yeah, it's it's a pain to fly. Yeah, it's around. a real pain. Oh my god. It's a hassle. You know what really stinks about that too when you think about it is that we've been fortunate enough to be able to do that from time to time. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously not all the time, but you get so spoiled so fast. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You get so spoiled so fast. It's mm-hmm. it's really it's mm-hmm. like I, every time I go to the airport now, it's like, oh, I know. Do why? I really have to? I have to go through security. Why? why? Don't they know <laughs> that I'm here? Just going on this plane. Uh-huh. It's okay. Uh-huh. I have to park over there. <laughs> I flew. Why can't I just drive up to the plane? <laughs> I flew private one time. One time, and you're absolutely right. It scars you for life. You go to the airport and you think mm-hmm. of that one time. Oh, every drive time more than once, man. <laughs> Oh, when when you do it for yes. five years oh. almost exclusively, mm. and then you don't do it very much anymore. That's very difficult. It's hard to get it's, used to. <laughs> it's very frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that kind of sucks. Uh, Papa John's. Mm-hmm. I know one of the things that happened uh, when we were on break, or just before we uh, we left for our break. Uh, the Papa John's uh, CEO, uh, John Shatner, uh, steps down mm-hmm. as CEO. He uh, stepped down. Oh yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, and it just happens to happen, uh, you know, a couple of weeks after those uh, remarks made about the national anthem protests and the NFL players. Really? Yeah. Now they now it did. They didn't say that that's the reason, but wow. they sure imply it heavily that mm. that's the reason that he, uh, you know, he said. Now listen to this. Now we talked about it at the time, but listen to the horror that he said on this phone call. I mean, have the dump buddy ready because I don't know if you want me to air the whole thing. <laughs> um. Well, it was so racist. The practice of players kneeling during the anthem to raise awareness of police brutality and social justice hurt the NFL's TV ratings, which in turn hurt sales of my pizza, uh, which uh, you know is advertised heavily during the games. You need to look at exactly how the ratings are going backwards. Uh, last year, the ratings of the NFL went backwards because of the elections. This year, the ratings are going backwards because of the controversy. And so the controversy is polarizing the customer and polarizing the country. He should be shot right right now. He shouldn't even have had a chance to <laughs> resign. That is unbelievable. <laughs> For that, it, I mean, it. he's being kicked out of his own company. I and, hate when that And happens. they apologized uh, for his divisive comments. Oh, jeez. 
unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Amazing. Now that's what I say. They say they didn't come out and say that's exactly why, because they do mention that he stepped down in 2005 for a couple of years. Uh, you know, mm. stepped back, and then the company started going downhill. They started uh, not doing so well, and some of the products were not as good as what he liked. So he said, oh, "I'm coming back. I'm going to run this place," and it mm. paid off. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, he's made it huge again. So it's possible. Possible. It's a similar situation to uh, Steve Jobs when he left Apple. Yeah, and they went into the tubes. Yeah. And it, think, uh, and uh, so many times, uh, uh, Wendy's uh, with uh, my man Dave. Dave Thomas did the same thing. Stepped yeah. away, and then it was like they went downhill. So he brought it back. Let's yeah. go. I'll, all right, let's go. Mm-hmm. I'll bring you back. Yeah. But uh, good news is that uh, rapper uh, Lil John uh, is ready to take over as a CEO of Papa John's. Rapper Lil uh, John? Rapper Lil John, yeah. Uh, okay. People on Twitter uh, said, uh, hey, Papa John's mm-hmm. needs uh, Lil John as CEO. And he uh, he's tweeted out, I will humbly accept the position <laughs> as your new CEO. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and he, he, also, he also put on uh, his tweet, uh, I'm available to start immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet he is. 888 There's your... Uh, Chewing the Fat with Jeffy segment for the day. More Pat Gray Unleashed coming up. Pat Gray on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. 888 Uh Some more tweets here. At Pat Unleashed, Lori D. Uh, Texas Lori D. Uh, talking about pat fads that should go away. Man buns must be destroyed. Oh, wow, do I wholeheartedly agree with that. It's embarrassing, the man bun phenomenon. Everywhere you look, somebody's wearing a man bun. And if you don't stop want your it. hair long, then just get a haircut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Okay. Men with their hair in buns. <laughs> when did that become acceptable? I know. When did we say, okay. I think we just woke yeah, up. That's a man who's got a, his hair in a bun. That looks great. <laughs> no. You know what? I think- we never decided that. Never. <laughs> It's time we stop pretending we did. There are things society should just vote on. <laughs> yes. And that wasn't one of the things we voted on. No, we we did not. That should be a direct democracy situation mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. Are man buns acceptable? Yes or no? We'd all vote no. no. I, I can't believe there's a single human being alive today, except for the people who actually wear man buns, that would say, that's okay. It's not from Megatron, uh, I want to see skinny jeans and flat-brimmed hats go away. You and me both. You and me both. Mm. Uh, Craig Viola, I wish this socialism fad would go fade away. Oof. Uh, sadly, it probably won't. And Dum Dum can put one. Uh, I really hope that this whole breathing fad goes away this year. It's overrated, and everybody who does it eventually dies. Not only that, think of the implications for the environment. Every oh. time you're breathing out, you're sending out CO2, a pollutant. Oh, my goodness. And you are ruining the planet as you breathe. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that has to stop. <laughs> People should stop breathing as well as, as driving their SUVs. <laughs> SUVs and breathing are killing this planet. So, yeah, those, those should both stop. Die so the planet may live. Wow, that's beautiful. That is that should be our that should be our battle cry as we go yep. into 2018. People must die that this planet may live. Pat Gray bumper sticker. That's beautiful. <clears throat> it's on the. It's it, interestingly enough. Hmm? Uh, that's where I actually got the phrase uh, because it's on my bumper sticker right now. Oh, so yeah. you knew that uh, I stole yes. that from your right. bumper sticker Obviously, collection out in the lot there. My car. Yeah. Sorry. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Uh, also in California, did you see that somebody, uh, messed with the welcome to California signs the, yes. uh, over the weekend they put, this was, I guess, New Year's Eve. They went out and did this. They put underneath the welcome to California official sanctuary state, <laughs> uh, felons, illegals, and MS-13 welcome. <laughs> <laughs> They're all over the state. And then underneath that, it says uh, the Democrats need the votes with an exclamation point after it. I, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. They, they apparently did this on four different entry freeways into <laughs> uh, into California. That's great. Nobody knows who did it. It's probably illegal, so nobody wants to take credit. <laughs> but uh, highly appropriate. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. More Pat Gray Unleashed coming up. Pat Gray, only on the Blaze Radio Network. is here on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome. Great to have you with us. 888-933-93. Hopefully you got a chance to uh, see some football over the over the weekend, over the holidays, in fact, because uh, there's only one game left of the college football season. And that's the national championship game between, yes, two SEC teams. Alabama, Georgia for the national championship. The Georgia... Oklahoma game was something else Instant yesterday. Instant classic. It was really fun. It, it was a tremendous game. 54-48 in double overtime. Georgia pulls it out. Which is amazing because they were down by 17 in the first half at one point And uh, came storming back. Took the lead. Oklahoma got it back. And they tied it up. Uh, just incredible game. And then, of course, Alabama just destroyed basically uh, Clemson. Uh, amazing how many people picked Clemson. How many of the pundits? How many of the ESPN analysts? Everybody thought Clemson had a really good shot. Yeah, like, what are you thinking? Alabama never loses. Well, rarely. Last year they did. But when the chips are, when the stakes are this high, they almost always win. It's just, it's irritating. Yeah. Well, um, let's see here. You've got Alabama and Georgia mm-hmm. in the championship game. And who beat them? 
the University of Central Florida. No, Auburn beat both uh, oh, that's Alabama right. and Georgia. Right. Auburn, and then but you Central see where I'm Florida going. beat Auburn. Yeah. Yes. So the undefeated right. Central Florida Golden Knights should be playing the winner of Georgia-Alabama for all the uh, marbles. That's crazy, because they were 12-0. and 0, and mm-hmm. I mean, they got a good bowl game. They were in the New Year's Six mix, mm-hmm. uh, which is just underneath the playoff teams. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty good reward for the season. Peach Bowl. You know, you get $15, 18000000 million for your school, which you have to divide a bunch of different ways among the conference usually. But still, it's a good payoff, and it, and it's a good bowl game, and it's better than Central Florida's ever done, obviously. But when they beat the team that beat both teams that are playing for the national title, yeah, uh, that's proof positive they should have been in the playoff. Totally. Should have been in the playoff. Yeah. Well. Really a shame. Oh well, for that I guess uh, thirteen and zero. Time to head to Nebraska, Coach Frost. <laughs> you know your your work is Central Florida's done. Currently, well, was the coach at Central Florida. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to be the coach at uh, at Keith's alma mater, mm-hmm. Nebraska Cornhuskers. Yeah. He won which is national, where he played. He won the national championship when I was there. Yeah. So come well, on back, and we need you now. And there you're going to have him. Mm-hmm. We'll see if he does as well. Uh, for Nebraska, as he did for Central Florida. I hope so. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three. He should be do a heck of a lot better. He's gonna. I mean, the recruits that are gonna go to Nebraska gonna be a lot better than the ones he got at Central Florida. Yeah, you yeah. gotta believe, um, right? Uh, it's already it's already looking good. Yes. Yeah. Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Let's go to Phil in California. Phil, you're on the Pat Gray Unleashed uh, broadcast here on the Blaze. How you guys doing? Hey, oh, good. Sorry. Uh, first of all, long-time listener, uh, been a big-time fan. Um, just you. wanted to call. There was a couple things that you guys had mentioned, and I think that there's a little misinformation that has been gone around for years. Okay. Um, number one, the vaping. Yeah. Um, huh? Even even on PragerU, there's a video that shows that it's about as harmful as drinking a cup of coffee. Okay. I, and I mean, actually, we weren't, we weren't uh, really discussing the harmfulness as so much as the nastiness of the smell that's left behind uh, the people that are vaping. Well, <laughs> so, understandably, but yeah. how the health benefits of... I, I smoked two packs a day for about 20 years. Oh, wow. And I went to vaping about a year, a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And my lungs feel a lot better. I... It's it's not a, a addiction as much um, as much. I, I don't have. Yeah, I, I don't. It's not a. Oh, I gotta go do it. It's not a. Oh, I gotta have a cigarette. Where I when I smoked, it was every hour on the hour. It was one or two cigarettes, and it was just depending on whether. Wow. I had something to do. Yeah. I mean, it was it was bad. Yeah. But. I mean, vaping has not only in in health made great you know differences, but in mm-hmm. economically. Okay. Um, and what I used to pay for about a carton, I was well was about fifty five when I quit. Um, now they're about seventy five eighty uh, out here in California. Wow. Um, gotta love it. So it's saving you a lot of money. <laughs> Oh, uh, I spent about ten dollars for what I used to spend eighty. Yeah. Okay. So uh, economically, it's made a huge difference for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it. You know, my my girlfriend as well. She went also. 
Um, so, I mean, we went from smoking three packs total between the two of us to spending about 15 bucks a week okay. on, on just the liquid. And it's, it's done great. Um, it, it's sorry. I know I'm rambling. I'm trying to do two things at once. Um, <laughs> I'm on I'm on the clock as well. So okay. I mean, luckily enough, I work from home, so I get to watch you guys every day. Oh well, good. Nice. That, yeah, that I've actually sense. I've yeah. actually been a longtime listener of Glenn. Uh, started listening to him on Clear Channel back in 2001. Oh wow! Clear back into the Tampa days, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I Everybody actually was... funny funny thing I always remember whenever I don't really pay attention to football. Mm-hmm. Um, not a big fan, uh, just who I am. Uh, but anyways, uh, back when he did the, the, uh, Monday night football, he would call the convenience stores in both cities. Yeah, actually it did. Mm-hmm. get people to, you know, answer questions and predict the game. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. man. That was a, that was those were good times. Yeah, we in fact appreciate oh, yeah. the call. Thanks, Phil. Uh, we are maybe going to bring that back next year on this show. Oh, we are. Yeah, I th- yes, oh. I want to anyway. Okay, it is my it is my goal. It is my desire to bring that oh, back. I don't know that desire. we'll have the technology to <laughs> well, be able to do it. What's the technology? That's like a phone? Thing. Yeah, well, a phone and people to dial it and find the people convenience stores. Dial a, people, nobody knows how to dial a phone anymore, I know, anymore, it's difficult. Man. It really is difficult. <laughs> we had this discussion at the beginning of the show. If it's just not saved somehow magically with the touch of one button, you can't, I don't even know what you're asking for anymore, man. I know. It's, <laughs> it's incredible to even think that it's possible to do. <laughs> to do the, uh, in fact, I can't even remember the name of it now. It's been so long. More on trivia. More on trivia. <laughs> yes. Wow. More on trivia. Still on vacation over there? Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Uh and we um of course so it would be nice to be able to do that next year during the football season. Obviously we we started too late to really move it over here because Glenn doesn't want to do it anymore. And uh so I'd love to pick it up. Uh, I think I, I think it would it would be fun to do more on trivia mm-hmm. uh, on this program next year. We'll look into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll look into that. Yeah. Well, it's it's a it's a priority, Pat. He's he, you could tell that Keith doesn't want anything to do with more on trivia. That's not true. Actually, it's just there's so much involved with it. Um, yes, I know. That's why I'm saying yeah. we're, we we got to see if and, we can uh, actually pull it off. So I'll talk there's to the engineers a lot and, uh, and mm-hmm. see if we can't make that happen. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're going to get right on that. I'm going to write a note right now. Hang okay. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. We've been talking about the uh, uh, situation with with trans athletes, the uh, the boxers who used to be men who are now women and are going to fight against women has been okayed in France. It's being talked about here. Uh, it's happening here in high in the high school uh, arena, where trans athletes are moving into women's sports and competing against actual you know girls from birth, and it's uh, uh, seemingly unfair based on biology. But you know why would you base anything in biology? Why would you do that? 
It's that, silly, right? That sounds like a hashtag me too, uh, something that, that females should be tweeting about. Yes, it does. I mean, because seriously, that is like... I know. It's wrong. I, I don't know why women are not concerned with this, or seemingly not, because they're not saying much about it. Mm. I'm not hearing any backlash on what was what was happening in Texas, and I don't remember what sport it was. Uh, was it wrestling? Is it women's wrestling? Girls wrestling? Some or sort of track and field track thing. Track and field, uh, but it, it was okay for trans athletes to start competing and to be on s- steroids, to be on hormones, to be on testosterone, which is, you know, illegal for everybody else. But because it's prescribed by a doctor now, uh, they were allowing the trans athletes to be on it. <sighs> I, I t- is that I mean, not an unfair advantage? I don't know. This is this is what I uh, tell my kids. Don't if you don't want to go insane, don't try to make sense of this world. Because when you try to make sense of this world, you will go insane. I bet you do tell your kids that oh, too, don't all you? All the time, stuff like this comes up on the news. Yeah, it's just okay, kids. It's it's, got to be fun to be a member of your family. Huddle, huddle around, be. kids, because yeah. uh, later tonight we're going to be reading about life inside North Korea. But right now, I want to uh-huh. tell you why this world. Is it's got to be akin to being in, in Glenn Beck's family. You know, when I hear him tell these yours. stories, I kind of, I kind of go, yeah. Hmm. Uh, I mean, that's nothing. That's, I got it, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. There's also a trans phenomenon happening in the military where. Uh, the military is seeking transgendered people to join and recruiting them, apparently. And so CNN went out and detailed a the story of a trans person who used to be a Navy SEAL. So this person was a, a man and is now a woman. And uh, here is part of that uh, situation. New CNN film, Lady Ballard, airs tonight. It looks at the life of a former SEAL Team 6 member with uh-huh. the quite a shocking secret. After retiring after 20 years of active duty service and 13, count them, 13 deployments as wow. a Navy SEAL, Christopher Beck. But keep in mind now, Christopher Beck used to be was a man when he was doing the 13 different deployments. Okay. 13 times Christopher... Uh, was deployed uh, as a man is now making the transition uh, to a woman and so they're they did the show last night I would love to hear from anybody who saw it I I missed it it's it was called Lady of Valor and uh, so I'd like to hear your your thoughts if you saw it uh, the CNN special last night fortunately I did not I I did not see it either but um, uh, here's what yeah, here she had to say. made the brave decision to transition to a woman. Made the brave decision to trans transition to a woman. It's a brave decision to transition to a woman. I mean, I sure as hell wouldn't want to be a woman. That That's, would be very no. brave. That's because you're not brave. You're I, a coward. I'm a coward. You're Absolutely. a coward. Can't only be. only a brave person can make that transition from man to woman. Or, or woman to man. Count me out. Obviously. The film looks at Beck's journey and his new start as Kristen. Mm-hmm. Kristen Beck joins me now from Atlanta. <clears throat> Kristen, how was it, first of all, to see your life in film, especially your story? Incredible. Good morning, Michaela. It was uh, it was difficult. Kristen. It was uh, quite a journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're still working on that journey. And I think everyone mm-hmm. in life, you know, continue the journey and just work as hard as you can and do the best you can. Brave of I've you always to... been trying to do my best. Brave mm-hmm. of you to tell about this journey because I know it has been very difficult. I want to go back to the fact that a SEAL Team 6, mm-hmm. 13 deployments, this is a masculine warrior environment. Uh, 
there is some irony there. What were you driven to or drawn to about a life as a Navy SEAL? As a Navy SEAL, you know, it's as tough as it's tough. But it's also the defenders of America, just like a lot of people in the military. Mm -hmm. And it was just doing the best I could. And the best I could was the Navy SEALs. Mm -hmm. You said you were happiest mm -hmm. as when you were deployed. Explain that to us. Well, I was happiest as I was deployed because I was over there, you know, with my teammates. And we lose a lot of guys in combat. I lost a lot of guys along the way. And every time you leave, you you still feel remorse and you want to get back over there protecting your you know your comrades in arms and and doing the fight you know fighting for liberty and justice but i get a sense too Kristen, that 13 deployments you went above and beyond above and beyond mm. do you think that it was drowning out some of the noise in your own head yes definitely drowning out some of the noise uh definitely so that was a uh, Kristen beck uh lady of valor <clears throat> uh sorry i missed that uh special last night on cnn sounds like an in, it, it's honestly an interesting story i bet if i saw it I it's it's fast be able to stop watching right you, you wouldn't uh but the way this is being described and the way this is being looked at now is just it's inconceivable triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three more pat gray unleashed coming up you are listening to pat gray on the blaze radio network Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Pat Gray unleashed. I love this report. There's a new study that was done by uh, John V. Kane, a professor at New York University, and the study was published in the latest Public Opinion Quarterly. So you would think this is not done by a conservative. You'd think a, a professor at New York University is probably quite liberal. But here's what they found. When it comes to voter ID laws, Republicans care intensely about fraud. So Republicans are concerned of fraud in the voting booth. They don't want non-citizens to vote because it's unconstitutional and unlawful. Whereas Democrats worry more about whether their own party will come out ahead. What? What? <laughs> Who would have seen that coming? <laughs> Certainly not me. Took a study, though. At least we got a study. Yeah, we got a study up. about it. And uh, it's it's a provocative new academic study that challenges conventional assumptions. <laughs> Does it? Now, what are the conventional assumptions? The voting rights activists have long accused GOP office holders of racism or political expediency in fights over voting laws, but the study suggests that for normal voters, for average voters, Republicans support a good faith assessment of the dangers they see in illegal voting, and they respond to even small instances of voter fraud. Yeah, integrity Democrats, of the Democrats, on the other hand, only care about whether their party is going to win. What? what a stunning surprise. Uh, yeah. Which is what, I mean, we've said all along. Yeah. Democrats, meanwhile, generally support voter ID, but their support is less firm. 
we've talked about this as well. Um, the The argument with Democrats in office is that, well, you're you're racist because um, blacks can't get access to uh, an ID. They don't have a form of ID. Hmm. You can't ask blacks to bring ID to the voting booth. What? Hmm. Why not? They don't drive. Well, sometimes they don't have cars. Okay. Well, yeah, white people sometimes don't have cars too. But you can get other forms of ID that are state approved. Uh, and well, yeah, but they cost money. You can get them for free in most jurisdictions if you can't afford them. They'll be provided for you. They may cost up to $10 sometimes. Mm-hmm. Woo! A $10. Well, some people get sick uh, when they have to go outside in the natural light. So how are you going to work around that one? Yeah, I can't work around that. You can't, I can't help, help you with that. Okay. I can't right. promise that it's always going to be cloudy so that you'll get no sunlight on you. And I want you to continue the story um, <laughs> yeah. that's in your hands. Mm-hmm. But when you're done, you let me know because um, I've got some news hidden here in my laptop that I'm going to spring open for you that... Think about your kids on Christmas morning Mm -hmm. and how happy that makes you to see the joy in their eyes and the experience. Because what Mm -hmm. I'm going to show you when you're done with that story, Mm -hmm. the story I'm going to show you here is going to make you think on a different topic. Totally different topic. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Democrats, again, uh, according to surveys, 80 percent of blacks support having to show ID at the voting booth. Yeah, because they're Americans and that's an American idea. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Whether you're Hispanic or you're black or you're white, you don't want people to be fraudulently voting in an election. And virtually everyone agrees, except for elected Democrats. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. Those are the ones who are always screaming racism when you have have a voter ID law. Uh, There's different concerns in both camps, according to the study. Republicans really do appear to be super concerned about fraud. And Democrats, not so much. Democrats really appear to be concerned about the electoral implications. <laughs> not so much fraud. <laughs> I, this well, they is know amazing. better. So you got to get them in office one way or another. Right. You got to get them in there because they know how to take care of you better, man. And again, this is done by a professor at New York University, hmm. NYU. His findings were... Uh, for voters at large, where overall support for voter ID is relatively high among Democrats, Republicans, and independents. And why is it? Because everybody knows that an ID will... Everybody has ID. Black people have forms of identification. Why? Just like whites do. Just like Hispanics do. Why should blacks not have ID? It's, yeah. it's insane. Let's and go, I think that's racist. Let's get, yeah. yeah. Let's, I think that's racist. Let's Assuming the, they don't have ID. Go to the rule. I teach my kids. Don't try to make sense of the world. You'll exactly. only go insane. Mr. Kane's study, tested through a series of polling questions, asked voters about their support for voter ID, then experimented with what happened when told about voter fraud and what effects of ID laws on their own party's electoral success. <laughs> So if Democrats are affected by somebody bringing ID to the uh, the booth, then they're not in favor of it. Well, I'm sorry. You don't you don't care if it's not a citizen voting for you? No, of course they don't. They only care about their power. Mm-hmm. GOP voters already high in support for voter, photo ID at the polls increased in support when told about even small instances of fraud. 
but it showed little change when told that uh, Democrats would benefit or when told the GOP would benefit. That is incredible. So Republicans didn't care who benefited from the fraud. They just didn't want the fraud. Even if it helped Republicans over Democrats, they still didn't want it and they favored voter ID. Among Democrats, however, (laughs) this study found moderate support for voter ID. Uh, They didn't budge when told about fraud. (laughs) Support for voter ID did surge when told Democrats would benefit, and it plunged when told Republicans would benefit. Does this not tell you everything you need to know? about Democrats and and whether they care about uh, a decent election and Republicans when they when they care that citizens are voting it's just amazing this is and again not done by this isn't done by the NRA this is done by NYU attempts to reach voting rights groups for a reaction were unsuccessful I bet they were mm-hmm But one professor who studies voting rights said his reading of the findings was that Republican voters were so strongly in favor of ID laws that nothing could move them, not even partisan consideration. That's a great way to look at it. She's the spin from these people. Uh, Mr. Kane countered that there was indeed some room for movement, as proven by the rise in support based on accounts of voter fraud. I don't know that I'd say they're completely non-malleable. So he's he's defending the findings and saying that, no, re- Republicans do care. They just care more about the actual electoral process. Kane uh, suggested that fraud is a slim problem, saying that over the last 15 years, there have been 31 incidents of fraud out of 1 billion ballots cast. But... Uh, the Republicans cared about that small difference. Yeah. Democrats do not. All they care about was, well, did the Democrat win? Well, okay then. No problem with the fraud. I mean, that's a great study. And we'll we'll get to your situation. No, you want to read this headline right now. I want to read the headline? You want to read the headline. You All can't right. wait Christmas Let morning. See. Let me see. Let me see the headline. We'll talk about it coming up. Oh, look at that. Utah GOP Senator... Orrin Hatch announces his plans to retire. We may have a celebration over this. Coming up on Pat Gray Unleashed. Pat Gray, the Blaze Radio Network. Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. And thank you for being here as well. 888-900-3393. If you'd like to share your thoughts today, uh, the latest breaking news that we're getting is uh, the Utah Senator Orrin Hatch, who is 173 years old, is uh, announcing that he will retire at the end of his term this year. 
ending long speculation on whether he'd seek re-election after more than three decades in office. Nearly 40 years in the Senate, which is just way too long. Way too long. Hatch made the announcement in a short video on Tuesday. Hmm. And I think uh, I think we actually have the short video. Times. For over 40 years, I've had the great honor of serving as your senator. Oh, my gosh. Many of- if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know, over 40 years. Oh, I thought you meant the great senator part. <laughs> no, because he hasn't been anything close to a great senator for about 39 of those 40 years. Over 40 years, I've had the great pleasure to be your senator. Holy cow. Good golly. Uh, here, here it is. I had the great honor of serving as your senator. Yeah, thank you. As many of you know, mm-hmm. I came up during the Great Depression living in a ramshackle house built with recycled lumber from the local scrapyard. <laughs> oh, You're not man. helping things. This or... is a, uh, a famous story that he loves to tell. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah he's told this story about 84,000 times. <sighs> But I love to hear it every time. Yeah, I love well, to hear it. When you're in the Senate for 40 years, you run out of stuff. My parents yeah. gave us everything they had. Yep. But in the eyes of the world, we still didn't have much. Sure. Only in a nation like ours could someone like me, the scrappy son of a simple carpenter, grow up to become a United States senator. Son of a what? I, I didn't catch that. <laughs> I'm sorry. As your senator, I've always mm-hmm. sought to fight for those who cannot fight for themselves. Oh, yeah. And I believe the results speak for themselves. Yeah, they do. I've authored more bills that have become law than any member of the Congress alive today. Well, yeah, when you've been in in the Senate longer than anybody alive <sighs> today or yesterday, of course you've got more bills. <laughs> Are they good ones? No, generally speaking, they're not. I played a central role in the creation of the modern generic drug industry, oh. the passage of the landmark Americans with Disabilities Disabilities Act. Oh, good. And the confirmation of every current member of the United States Supreme Court. Uh, many of whom are <laughs> terrible, Oren. Some of this you might want to keep in your inside voice. Yeah. And Utah's a pretty red state, so we might uh, technically pick up a seat here. Isn't this interesting? Because, yeah. Uh, so he's he's voted for people like... Uh, uh, with Bader Ginsburg, right? okay. Sotomayor, yes, the, uh, Stephen Breyer, the, the, these people who have who have practically destroyed this nation or tried to anyway. Kagan. I mean, Elena Kagan. He, he, if I remember correctly, he was an early supporter of Kagan. Hmm. Uh, but there's more. Just last month, mm-hmm. I helped lead the effort to pass historic comprehensive tax reform. Oh, yeah. was, One of my proudest legislative achievements is the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which guarantees vigorous religious liberty protections for all Americans. Mm-hmm. When the president visited Utah last month, he said I was a fighter. I've always been a fighter. I was an amateur boxer in my youth, and I brought that fighting spirit with me to Washington. But every good fighter knows when to hang up the gloves. And for me... That time is uh, soon approaching. Thank heaven. That's why, after much prayer and discussion with family and friends, mm-hmm. I've decided to retire at the end of this term. Yes! Although I will miss serving you in the Senate, I look forward to spending more time with my family, mm-hmm. especially my sweet wife, Elaine, whose unwavering love and support made all of this possible. 
I'm deeply grateful for the privilege you've given me to serve as your senator these last four decades. I may be leaving the Senate, four decades. but the next chapter in my public service is just beginning. I want to thank you all for your support through these many years. May God bless you all. Well, he sounds so pleasant and so sweet and so nice and so good there. And behind the scenes, the power that Orrin Hatch wields in Utah and keeping opponents at bay is unbelievable. Uh, The legislation he crafted with people like Ted Kennedy is unbelievable. You can't have the kind of friendship he had with Kennedy and be a conservative. You just, you can't. It's, it's virtually impossible because you disagree on too many things. You've got too little in common. How are you going to, how are you going to respect and admire and love the guy that you disagree with on every issue? Well, they didn't disagree. That's why. Hmm. They're saying it looks like a, could have ourselves a Senator Mitch Romney, a Mitt Romney coming up here. Yeah, this uh, this clears the path because Romney said if Orrin Hatch retires, he'd consider running. And so Orrin Hatch has now made the announcement he's, he's going to uh, retire. And so obviously that opens up space for Mitt Romney. Even though uh, President Trump actually urged him to run again. I mean, the guy would be like a thousand and three by the time his term was over. It's a thousand and two. Please don't exaggerate. <laughs> so uh, it'll be interesting because you know it opens it up, obviously, for Romney and and others who who might want that Senate seat. Now, a couple of years ago, when several years ago, this would have been two thousand nine or so, before he was reelected for the eighty sixth time or however however many terms he has served. <laughs> And and uh, Jason Chaffetz was brand new and hadn't been co-opted uh, by other power brokers in Washington. He has now. But, yeah. And, <laughs> and now he's gone. Now he's gone. You know, yep. he's, he's left as well. Mm-hmm. But when he, wa- when he was going to run for the U.S. Senate, he would have won that seat. Yeah. And Orrin Hatch saw to it. That uh, Jason Chaffetz did not run against him. And, I mean, right the day before he was going to make the announcement that he was going to run for the Senate against Orrin Hatch, he was convinced otherwise in uh, uh, an interesting way. So, I I mean, Orrin Hatch has done some despicable things. And uh, I, I just don't fall for this nice guy routine. But maybe others do. But I think this is uh, excellent news. And even if it's Mitt Romney, who's not a super conservative either, but he's more conservative than Orrin Hatch, I would say. So, I mean, that's good news right there. And, and maybe somebody else in Utah will step forward. And in, a, in a state like Utah, you should be able to get a hardcore conservative. You should, ha- you should have two people like Mike Lee in the U.S. Senate from Utah, right? I mean, how difficult is that? It's like the whole Lindsey Graham South Carolina thing. It's unbelievable. You can all I it's like the whole Ted Cruz John Cornyn uh-huh. thing. Mm-hmm. Apparently, even in the most even in the reddest of states, you can only have one super conservative Republican. B- because I can't think of two anywhere. Are there two? 
I'm sure uh, Wyoming. I don't know. Maybe sure. Wyoming or, or Idaho. Um, Rish and- yeah, Rish in Idaho is, is awesome. And I can't even think of who the other one is. Um, we'll be looking here momentarily. Crapo. Oh, yeah, uh, Crapo. Okay, pretty so good, Idaho right? hasn't let us down completely, uh, I guess. Right. right. Okay, all right. All right, yeah. Uh, But it is difficult to find two real conservatives from the same state coexisting in the U.S. Senate. And and there's no reason not to have two when you've got a red state like Utah. I mean, there's plenty of people who believe the things, the constitutional things, and are married to the Constitution in Utah, just as married as Mike Lee is. Uh, And it would be nice to have them run for office. But I would take Mitt Romney over Orrin Hatch Every day of the week. So uh, let's hope that somebody jumps into that race and uh, takes it takes the bull by the horns. Triple eight, nine hundred thirty three ninety three. At least we we're not going to have apparently not going to have a hatch intimidating somebody out of the race because he's uh, he's retiring. Nineteen seventy six, the man entered office or was elected. Holy cow! So forty. I mean, you're. It's going on 50 years now. 1976. Good heavens. That is 40. No, it'll be 41, 42 years ago, right? 42 years in the U.S. Senate. Seriously, that, and that's, that's obviously why I now favor term limits. That goes to your point. Yeah. And I, I made this point on, on Glenn's show earlier today. I used to believe that. Elections were term limits because if you didn't want them anymore, you just vote them out of office. But nobody does that for some reason. It just doesn't happen. And so these guys are continually put back in there because people know their name. And they don't know the other person. And they don't do the research. And so they just send Orrin Hatches back over and over and over. And then they start to be convinced that, well, we'll lose, we'll lose our funding if we don't have somebody there who is powerful enough to fight for us in office. And so they fall into that trap and keep sending back the guy who's gained the power but changed many of his principles. And it just sucks. You know, a couple of things coming through the Twitters right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida Man in Exile uh, tweets out, It's time for the Pat Unleashed mm-hmm. Screaming Happy Day song in celebration of Hatch leaving the Senate. Mm-hmm. On a side note, does it feel a bit like the rats are jumping ship for an unknown reason that they're not telling us about? Sort of, yeah. yeah it's starting to happen here. Uh, That's a pretty good side note, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Jack Hole Zombie uh, tweets out, I demand a Harry Reid lost his job song uh, before a Orrin Hatch song, which I don't know. Did we ever get a Harry Reid? Did we ever get a Harry Reid-inspired tune from you? Oh, uh, we did, yes. Okay. When Harry Reid left. Oh. Yeah, there was definitely a happy day celebration of that. Ah, sorry, yeah. I forgot that. Now listen to this. Evan McMullen. Um, he is saying uh, he wants. Is he going to jump in? No, he wants Mitt Romney to 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 be the next senator. Oh, so Evan McMullen. Uh, that's right. Fine. So yeah, McMullen would think because he's not super conservative either. He's re- he's establishment Republican. And again, mm. we can do better than that in Utah. <laughs> can do better than that in Utah. And we should be oh. able to do better than John Cornyn in Utah. In Texas, yeah. In Texas, mm-hmm. when John Cornyn. Was elected, though, in 2001 or two, whenever that election was. And was he, was it 2000? And then he was, he took office in 01? No, 2002. He was a, a solid conservative. 
And over time, you know, he's just straight away. Uh, and so it's time to send John Cornyn home. <laughs> and in Texas, we just choose not to. I don't know. Which I hate. Which I hate. But fortunately, at least one guy, uh, Orrin Hatch, is retiring. <laughs> Orrin Hatch is out the door. We'll have just one year. Wait for more. Orrin Hatch is out the, out the door. Orrin Hatch is zero more in one year. Wait a minute. Wait. Yeah, hold this on. didn't really. What do you mean it didn't work? Didn't really it work. It totally works. <laughs> hold on a second. Hold on. Orrin Hatch is out the door. Well, we'll we have, have to, to wait. wait just one year more. Orrin Hatch Let's is see. out of here in a year. Uh, Orrin Hatch is out the door. Well, we have to wait just one year more. Orrin Hatch is out of here. And in a year, he won't be here. Uh, those are, okay. okay. I mean, the first thing, right. I guess. I mean, not exactly. Turned out a little bit there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> It works a little bit. Uh, a little bit. All right. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. More Pat Gray Unleashed coming up. Pat Gray Unleashed. The Blaze Radio Network. Returns on the Blaze Radio Network. Yeah. 888-933-93. Not to put too fine a point on this Orrin Hatch thing, but he is literally, mm-hmm. in reality, mm-hmm. 83 years old right now today. Today. In March, he turns 84. So by the time he would be reelected, if he served out his full term, that's 90 years old. He'd be two months shy of 91. <laughs> Right? I, yes. 90, or 90. Three months shy, right? Yeah. Well, two, two, three oh, months. 90. It's shy 90 months. years old. Come on now. Come on. Yeah. 91. I, I mean, it's just, do. is there a point at which you've exceeded your maximum potential as an office holder? I kind of think so. You know, our bodies just degrade. After a while. And, you know, you got to admit that it isn't ideal <laughs> to have octogenarians in office, let alone 90-year-olds. I mean, look at Robert Byrd. That was not ideal. And um, I believe, going back to the, how we started the program today, discussing how do you define the term elderly? Orrin Hatch. Orrin Hatch. That would be you, sir. Come on down. Yes. Right. Uh, yes. Uh, good point. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Michelle Bachman is apparently back in the news, thinking about running for Al Franken's vacated Senate seat. Interesting. That is interesting. Huh. I wonder if she could win a statewide election in Minnesota, though. Mm-hmm. She was, you know. She did pretty well in her congressional district, but could she win a statewide Minnesota election? I don't know. Minnesotans? Could she? I I don't know, frankly. Uh, She was a huge supporter, and I think early on, of Trump. Was she not? That seems 
Correct. I think so. Anyway, she says she's preying on whether or not she should run. And she says the swamp is so toxic, which is very true. The question is, am I being called to do this now? She said. Uh, That's what she told uh, televangelist Jim Baker. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Would would she be better than Al Franken? Oh, a million percent better. I I do see a story where she was out defending Trump um, September of 2015. Yeah. So wow. I thought I thought it was pretty early on. Definitely. And I was because I remember being surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, while the former U.S. representative says she could handle the day-to-day demands of the Senate, she said the current political climate and the financial aspects of running for office pose significant concerns. She said there's a price you pay, and the price now is bigger than ever. Wow, she's 61 now. She, you would never guess that. Never guessed that. She was elected to Congress in 2007 and uh, left office in 2015. During that time, she ran for a Republican nomination for the 2012 election. If she were to run for Franken's Senate seat, she'd have to begin her campaign relatively soon because the special election is going to be held uh, this coming November. Hmm. So the lieutenant governor who's getting appointed is only going to be in there for a year. Right. Okay. Yep. So wait, does does a special election then only fill two years after that? Because I don't think he was due to be reelected until 2020. Or does that just start a whole new? That doesn't start a whole new track, does it? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I don't think so. I think I think the election happens. You yeah. serve two years, always, and then you're back on track. You got to run again. Yeah, because there's always 33, 33, 34 seats up. Yeah. So, huh. Yep. Weird. So I, I you know, it, but again. Michelle Bachman over uh, uh, Al Franken, that's a win every time. Mm-hmm. And, and a huge win. Uh, 888-900-3393. Also, the demand for the uh, border wall is something that's kind of controversial even among Republicans. This is our problem. <laughs> As has been said many, many times, uh, Republicans are, Repub- are are not conservative, and and they're essentially Republicans in name only. Oftentimes, Orrin Hatch uh, being a good example of that. Um, but President Trump is is saying that look, if you want this Dream Act thing, uh, you you got to go along with the border security. You got to go along with the border wall, and they're not going to. He's he's vowing to build the wall at the U.S. Mexico border. And additional conditions for an immigration deal uh, are being kind of dangled out there. GOP lawmakers have largely avoided talking about the border wall, which was a huge platform Mm -hmm. in Trump's campaign. It was a huge promise he made, not not just some kind of rhetoric. He promised it over and over again. And as far as I know, has never backed down from saying we're going to have a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it. And can I just say, I am no fan of the DREAM Act, but it's nice to finally have a Republican president saying, all right, you want that, then we get this, instead of just, right. okay, we'll go with what you want. Okay, fine. Yes. Finally. <laughs> Which is, again, something that surprises me. Mm-hmm. I, he's, he's done pretty well with this kind of stuff. House Majority Whip Steve Scalise 
didn't mention the wall during an appearance on Fox News today, saying only that, quote, there is an agreement that can be reached, but it's got to start with border security. Okay, well, that's, I mean, that's close to saying we, you got to build the wall. The president said in September that he would end the Obama-era program known as the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, in early March. He's expanded his demand for what he wants in exchange for the DACA Accord, eliminating family immigration preferences and ending... So what happens is when a person emigrates here, then all of their family and extended family are also allowed to immigrate here. And that's got to stop. And ending a diversity lottery program that provides visas to people in countries with low rates of migration to the U.S. Trump punctuated the holidays with a series of tweets, which is great. You know, this is just his form of lawmaking, really. <laughs> if you tweet it, it's it's pretty much out there as a law. It's so... Renewing demands that an immigration measure include a border wall, which is strongly opposed by Democrats and even some Republicans in Congress. He's also accusing Democrats of playing politics in the debate, which is something they always accuse. Uh, another thing he's great at, because Democrats are always making that claim, why not throw it back in their face? Yeah. <laughs> Again, this is why people like him. <laughs> the Democrats have been told and fully understand that there can be no DACA without the desperately needed wall at the southern border and an end to the horrible chain migration and ridiculous lottery system of the Immigration Act. <laughs> and of course, that's what he, he said in a tweet from Mar-a-Lago. And then on uh, today, he said, Democrats are doing nothing for DACA, just interested in politics. Fantastic. I mean, how do you not love that? <laughs> Frankly, I, he's, he's kind of winning me over. Hmm. Immigration is one of the top issues that Congress pushed into uh, 2018. Because they couldn't get it done in 2017. And Republicans who control the Senate and the House focused instead on passing the uh, tax cut, which is fine. But they also tried to get Obamacare repealed and couldn't do that. So we'll see if any of this stuff happens this year. Don't hold your breath. 888-933-93. Use that number tomorrow. And we'll talk to you then on Pack Ray Unleashed. Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio Network.